and wrap it. And it was because poor sanitation and crowded masses and everything. That was terrible. So uh, I noticed earlier, uh, before uh, I got into my show, that the guys were talking about drinks and, and talking about fructose. And uh, one of the things you have to remember, the body through the liver, it can deal with glucose and sucrose. But fructose, it can't process. It turns to a fat. And all of your um, sugar substitutes are basically aspartame. And they found out that mostly aspartame caused a lot of brain tumors. Too much coincidence for accident. But fructose, when you say... American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. really relevant about that theme song is it's an eventual ramification of a flesh-based diet. It might take a while, it might take years, but it's coming. And there's a lot of other stuff that go along with that. So let me just Rather than talk about why you should change the way you eat, let me just talk about what is going to be coming down the road. You know, it's like, let's start with antidepressants, right? Okay, so an antidepressant, basically the name implies that its sole purpose is for the treatment of depression. But it turns out that the doctors 
it's funny that they call themselves that anyway. They're prescribing antidepressants for a wide variety of other medical problems other than just depression. There was this study that was done in Canada that found out that over half the antidepressants written by doctors in Quebec, prescriptions written by doctors in Quebec over the last 10 years were for depression. Just over half, okay? So the question that comes up, well, what were the other nearly 50% of antidepressant prescriptions for? Now understand that the antidepressants are routinely given for insomnia, fibromyalgia, obsessive compulsive disorder, chronic pain, migraines, and panic disorders. So the question arises, why would those disorders present themselves? Now we'll get back to that. So the doctors also prescribe the antidepressants for off-label conditions that they have not been approved to treat. And when the research was done, they discovered that two-thirds of the antidepressant prescriptions for problems other than depression were written for off-label and thereby unapproved, thereby unapproved purposes. And maybe this explains why the antidepressant use in the U.S. skyrocketed by 400% from 1988 to 1994, and then from 2005 to 2008. Well, the Centers for Deceit Control and Procrastination reported that 11% of adults and teenagers are now taking antidepressants. This, this is not a small problem. So making matters worse, is the fact that the doctors are basically blindly writing prescriptions with no proof whatsoever that they can even help with those off-label conditions. So the idea of doctors prescribing meds to people when they have not been proven to work is kind of a bitter pill to swallow, don't you think? So McGill University um, did some research and what they came up with that they were concerned that when prescribing for conditions other than depression for fibromyalgia, migraine, etc., why would they do that despite the fact that it's never been studied? Well, they did a study and they examined the electronic medical records by the primary care physicians between 2006 and 2015 in Quebec. And during that time, 55%, 55% of the antidepressants prescribed were for depression. So among the more than 100,000 antidepressant prescriptions studied, 18.5% were for anxiety disorder 
10% were for insomnia, 6% for chronic pain, and 4% were from panic disorders. And the number of conditions cited, including ADHD, menopause, migraines, digestive problems, that represented the unapproved uses. Then they were prescribed by doctors for PMS, sexual dysfunction, bulimia, and urinary problems. So while it might be tempting to believe that no harm can come from giving people happy pills, nothing could be further from the truth. And whether they're necessary or not, antidepressants have a number of scary side effects. And they raise the risk of heart disease, breast cancer, and type 2 diabetes. So what's the worst that could happen? So while the side effects like headaches and ingestion are more of a pain in the alcoholy than anything else, the drugs have been linked to side, and more than one mass shooter has been on antidepressants. And that's exactly why the use of antidepressants should be reserved for the most extreme cases of depression and only when natural treatment methods have failed. Okay? So the World Health Organization responded to research that was published in a European journal showing that antidepressant use among young people rose dramatically in several countries between 2005 and 2012. So as long as the pharmaceutical companies are out there exerting their pressure, essentially unchecked, the number of antidepressant prescriptions being written by doctors is only likely to go up rather than down. And perhaps the most alarming aspect of the epidemic is the fact that many of the problems that doctors are handling or handing these pills out for can be alleviated through lifestyle changes like regular exercise, a healthy plant-based diet, and spending more time with nature. So basically, the drugs are a ramification of your diet. You want Just because you develop a taste for flesh and blood, and even though the body can't digest it, this is what you have to look forward to. So the other problem that comes is a large portion of Americans have been kind of scared into believing that having a gun in a home is a dangerous liability, but the truth is you're far more likely to die if you have prescription opiates in your medicine cabinet than if you own a firearm. What happens is that we, the Americans, consume more prescription painkillers than anyone else. 80% of all prescription painkillers sold in the U.S., even though we account for 5% of the world's population. You understand 80% of all the prescription painkillers sold in the U.S., even though we account for only 5% of the world's population, so that means that 4.7 million, almost 5 million Americans are addicted to prescription painkillers. And that number has increased around 300% since 1999, and the overdoses have killed 28,000 people in 2014. 
So the mainstream media pays far more attention to gun violence than to the opiate epidemic. But the fact is that death by firearm rates has been dropping as the painkiller overdose rates rise. Do you understand what one of the most beat to death gun control arguments is your odds of dying go way higher if you have a gun in the home, so no one should have guns. Guns are deadly. Now replace the word gun with opiate-based painkillers. Yes, we're talking about Percocets, Vicodins, Oxycontins, all the others. So now your argument is somewhere between five and 100 times as pertinent, depending on the classification of suicide and addiction, accessibility. So most people who use those arguments are simply regurgitating what they hear secondhand or are spoon-fed by the mainstream media or whatever progressive outlet they choose to read. But the truth is, they're largely ignoring or don't even know about the danger of painkillers and other drugs in the home. So there's a conservative effort out there that assumes that the high number of 29 million people with access, okay, and suicides need to be broken out of both opiates and gun deaths. So you can kill yourself any way you want, but neither guns or opiate-based painkillers are the prerequisite to do so. The CDC says that 77% of poisoning deaths are unintentional, 13% are suicide, and 9% are of undetermined intent. So to give the benefit of the doubt, we'll say that just one-third of the deaths of undetermined intent are indeed accidental and go with an even 80% of being accidental. So that figure gives you over 15,000 of last year's opiate-based prescription deaths, accidental overdoses or homicides, and a rate of 52 per 100,000 within households with opiate-based painkillers in the medicine cabinet. what do you do if, if people are so concerned about American safety? Why are they trying to limit our access to firearms while allowing easy access to dangerous and addictive drugs that are far more likely to kill? And if you have painkiller meds, why? What would be the cause to have a painkiller? Why would you have pain in your body? Seriously, do you think that it could be the adverse effects of the foods that you're not supposed to eat? So we're talking about antidepressants, right? When it comes to antidepressants and other drugs, double-blind drug trials are a complete fraud. Do you understand? A complete fraud. So why is that? Well, double-blind means that one group gets a placebo and the other group gets the real drug, but each group has no idea what they're getting. And basically, this is kind of like sorting out 
the placebo effects, which are real, but discarded, discarded by the scientists that don't believe in mind-body medicine, from the real drug effects, which are considered legitimate because they're caused by chemicals and provide proof that the drug in question works better than the placebo. But there's only one problem. The patients realize they have the real drug when they start experiencing horrific side effects. So once the patient starts to suffer from the side effects, they get excited about realizing they have the real treatment and not the placebo. And from that realization, their mind creates this powerful new placebo effect from the deeply implanted belief that only chemical drugs can balance brain chemistry. And this bull is driven into their heads by incessant drug advertising on television, as well by miracle promises from the drug dealing doctor. So the more toxic the side effects, the more the patient generates her own placebo response that makes the drug look better than the mere placebo. I mean, if you can understand that, then <laughs> it's, it's, it's mumbo jumbo. But those patients who suffer no side effects, meanwhile, decide they're not on the real drug and they mentally shut down any possibility of the drug actually working. And this is called the negative placebo effect. Does it sound bizarre? Yes, but it's the truth. <clears throat> patients in America now believe that drugs don't work unless they generate toxic side effects. And this belief system drives their mind-body reaction in drug trials, causing a gross distortion of drug trial data in the so-called double-blind clinical trials, making it appear as if the more toxic drugs work better than they actually do. So the phenomenon is explained in a interesting detail by a guy named Rupert Sheldrake in a book called Science Set Free. And in this book, the guy says, in scientific and medical research as in everyday life, our beliefs, desires, and expectations can influence, often subconsciously, how we observe and interpret things. In medicine, patients' expectations also influence the results, and double-blind procedures are used to guard against the expectations of both subjects and investigators. For example, in a typical double-blind clinical trial of a drug, some patients selected at random are given tablets of the drug being tested, and others are given similar-looking placebo tablets, pharmacologically inert, means they don't work. So the purpose of the trials is to find out if the new drug works better than the fake one. 
So the largest placebo responses tend to occur in trials in which both patients and physicians believe a powerful new treatment is being tested. The blank pills work because the patients who take them and the doctors who administer them think that they might contain the new wonder drug. So if the trial is not blind and the patients and the doctors know who has been given the real drug and who has been given the placebo, the placebo response is greatly reduced. Neither the patients nor the doctors expect the placebo to have much effect, and it doesn't. And this can be a serious problem even in double-blind trials because if the real drug has noticeable side effects, both the patients and the doctors can find out who is receiving the placebo and the real drug, and as a result, the placebo is less effective, which makes the real drug more effective relative to the placebo. Now, it might seem like a tiresome technical detail, but it has huge economic consequences. For example, in clinical trials, the antidepressant drug Prozac had slightly more effect than the placebo and was licensed for use, resulting in annual revenues to the manufacturers of more than $12 billion. But it was really, but was it really better than the placebo? Who knows? Maybe not. And although the trials were double blind, Prozac had some well-known side effects like nausea and insomnia. But both the patients and the clinicians might have realized who had received a Prozac and who the placebo by noticing the side effects or their absence. And this is called breaking the blind. So once some people realized they were receiving the real drug and others realized they were getting the placebo, the placebo would have become less effective and the Prozac would have seemed more effective by comparison. But in a study which the doctors and patients were asked to say whether they had received the real drug or the placebo, 80% of the patients and 87% of the doctors were right as composed to the 50% that would be expected by random guessing. But in other clinical trials, Prozac was no better than the placebo. And one reason could be that in these trials, the patients had less experience with antidepressants and were less able to recognize the side effects. But the drug company, Eli Lilly, did not publish the results of the unsuccessful trials, which were revealed only because an independent-minded researcher managed to obtain the data using the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. When he got the data, he found that when all the data were taken into account, not just the positive results published by the manufacturers, Prozac and other antidepressants turned out to be no more effective than the placebos or than just an herbal remedy like St. John's wort, which is way cheaper. 
So ironically, the suppression of the data showing that Prozac was no better than a placebo probably helped to increase its effectiveness as a prescription drug because the doctors and the patients had more belief in it, just enhancing the placebo response. So the bottom line is, Big Farm strikes again. Don't believe their double-blind placebo-controlled drug trials because they all produce false results due to the influence of the patient's programming and the beliefs, which contributes significantly to their profits. You understand? And it's all coming. This is all coming from diet. Seriously. Look, it's no secret that the Internet is littered with misinformation. Whether it's a matter of simple ignorance or people spreading falsehoods for their own agenda. Many people consider the scientific journals to be among the most credible sources available. But it turns out that they too fall into the latter category. And they become yet another forum for parties to spread whatever information supports their financial interests, and in this case, it's big pharma. Take, for example, there was a study done that was in 2006, and it looked into the impact of psychiatric meds on clinical trials. And the researchers found that the industry-sponsored trials came to favorable conclusions 78% of the time, while just 48% of independently funded trials came to a favorable outcome. So one of the most brazen examples of this study is study number 329. And it was done in 2001 by Smith Klein Beecham, which changed their name and is now GlaxoSmithKline. Okay? Again, it's pharmaceutical. And it was claimed that pyrexetine, which is the drug in Paxil and Siroxet, was a generally well tolerated cure for depression in both adolescents and children. And over the course of the following year, around 2 million young people were prescribed the drug. So the study glossed over the fact that the drug has the potential to cause some very serious side effects and even lead the patient to suicide. So when the independent researchers reanalyzed the study they discovered that the drug wasn't any more effective than the placebo. Moreover, they found a significant risk of harm. At least 12 of the 93 kids who took it had developed suicidal thoughts. And so what what ended up being one of the biggest frauds in the history of American healthcare, GlaxoSmithKline was ultimately fined $3 billion. In the British Medical Journal, there's an editor, Fiona Godley. 
She said it was just another example of how the drug regulators are routinely failing the people. She said that this long-running saga has within it all the seeds of our current discontent, industry malpractice, paid opinion leaders twisting the results of trials, hidden data allowing manufacturers, academics, and clinicians to overstate the benefits and underplay the harms of the treatment. The Journal of Clinical Epidemiology published an evaluation of 105 analyses that involved approved antidepressants and were published between 2007 and early 2014. And they found that a third of them were actually written by people who were employed by a pharmaceutical industry. So the authors were a whopping 22 times less likely to make a negative statement about a drug than those who were not affiliated with the pharmaceutical company. And almost four four out of five of those studies had an industry tie. So this could mean that the study was written by the pharmaceutical company's employees, a pharmaceutical company sponsored the study, or the industry supported the researchers through grants or speaking fees. So antidepressants are a huge pharmaceutical market racking up sales of $9.4 billion in the United States in 2013 alone. The Stanford University School of Medicine epidemiologist guy, John Ionidas, who co-authored the study, interestingly, said, we knew that the industry would fund studies to promote its products, but it's very difficult to fund meta-analysis as they have traditionally been a bulwark of evidence-based medicine. Come on, man. Are you shitting me? He feels that the only way to curb this is by banning pharmaceutical companies by funding meta-analysis. Meanwhile, countless human lives are at stake. See, drugs. When you're on a plant-based diet and you're trying to eat as organic as possible, you are not getting, you're not getting your body loaded with synthetic chemicals and antibiotics and poisons and growth hormones and infections and God knows what else, color enhancers, stink and stink reducers. Oh my, and this goes on every meal for your whole life. And then one day you wake up and you find that you've got screwed and you're sick and you go to the doctor. I mean, it's, Look, our nat- is, it our na- is our national apathy being caused by being physiologically and socially similar to lab rats fed nothing but a diet of junk food? That's the position that is being thrust upon us. Why? because both the junk food adult Americans and the laboratory rats tolerate repressive environments 
while confined against their will in a maze. So in a mad dash to get out of the maze, Americans, like the rats, will accept the confinement rather than go to the trouble of resisting it, thereby agreeing to a life of controlled stimulation, manipulation, and being susceptible to suggestion via the marketing and propaganda of the government mainstream media cabal. <laughs> so, so in a country objectively descending into chaos, why doesn't anybody care? In recent studies at the University of California in LA, UCLA, the same rats Evidence, one reason for America's irrational disinterest in self-preservation. I mean, in, in, in ever more frequent and growing worldwide protest, resistance to the American empire's imposed maze increases. And Americans, they don't offer any resistance whatsoever. So is this just due to an aversion of the political process? basically a disdain for the sort of juvenile name-calling and a lack of decorum inherent in today's political system? Or could it be something else? I mean, the cause of national apathy seems to be clear, as shown in the results from the UCLA study. It's food, processed, adulterated, junk-laden, GMO-filled junk food the preferred and almost unavoidable daily diet of Americans. I mean, what do, what do you do? So there was a study that was done by this guy, um, what's his name, Aaron Blaisdell. He's a, a psych professor at UCLA. And his team placed 32 female rats on one of two diets for six months. The first received a standard rat's diet, which consisted of relatively unprocessed foods like ground corn and fish meal. As a substitute for junk food diet, the second Americanized group received highly processed food of lower quality that included substantially more sugar. So as expected, one diet led to obesity and the other didn't. So that being said, the data suggested that the diet-induced obesity was a cause rather than an effect of apathy. And the poor quality diet caused obesity, which causes fatigue. So to reach the guy's conclusions, the guy designed an experiment where the rats were given a task. Then they were required to press a lever to receive a reward of food or water. So the rats on the diet of junk food had their performance impaired, taking much longer breaks than the leaner rats on the better diets before returning to the rest of the task. So during repeated 30-minute sessions, the obese rats became lazier due to their increasing size, and eventually their breaks were twice as long as those of the leaner rats eating the cleaner foods. 
So the guy's study indicates that junk food, while causing obesity, subsequently causes laziness and fatigue. And combined, the political cousin of these two symptoms is apathy. So there's no question that Americans consume a great deal of some of the worst processed foods on the planet, all of which has led to an epidemic of obesity in the country. And as our waistlines have are increased, as our apathy increased proportionately, it would seem so, right? But as the federal government becomes more of an authority, more contrarian and less response to the people, it's quite possible that Americanized junk food may be the very thing that's keeping the population in general from collective outrage. So this year's presidential voting cycle offers a glimmer of hope in that voters in both major parties appear very interested in candidates who are being viewed as being well outside the mainstream of politics. So now we have obesity and apathy to add to the standard American diet, which in turn awards you the opportunity to take drugs, which screws up your brain, and hopefully you'll commit suicide to reduce population and then you won't have to collect Social Security. So there's a study that was published in 2004 that received an award from the British Food Journal as the most outstanding paper of the year. And it's been exposed as a total fraud. It was authored by a biotech hooker named Shane Morris. And the study was entitled Agronomic and Consumer Considerations for BT and Conventional Sweet Corn. And it used deceptive and undisclosed methods to sway the buyers toward GMO sweet corn seeds, only to later claim that the Consumers voluntarily chose the frankincense over the natural ones. So it's known today as wormy corn, as the wormy corn scandal. And the original publishing of the paper back in 2003 was, I mean, people were outraged because it was disturbed, it was determined that that guy Morris who at the time was employed by the government agency Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, intentionally manipulated the views of his participants to achieve a predetermined study outcome. And according to the public investigations group PowerBase, this Morris guy, this hooker, and his co-authors posted whiteboard signage above natural sweet corn seed bins at a farm store that swayed the farmers towards the GMO seeds. So the question is, would you eat wormy sweet corn? That's the question. 
That question was positioned directly above the non-GMO seed bin, followed by a detailed listing of all the pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, and fertilizers that would need to be applied to this non-GMO seed. And the warnings, which were not disclosed in this study, unfairly pointed the shoppers towards the quality GMO seed where over 50% of the participants ended up pulling their seeds. So based on the fraud, Morris and his team were able to make the claim that GMO corn seed is preferred by the majority of farmers. It was a horrendous conclusion that has ever since been a self-fulfilling prophecy within the general farming community. And it wasn't until the Toronto Star uncovered the use of the signs that the failed study was finally exposed as industry propaganda. So when news of the fraudulent study went public, a lot of people demanded that it be immediately retracted. There was new scientists ran a full expose in 2006 demanding that the British Food Journal take responsibility for failing the scientific community by publishing the study. The Canadian government tried to distance itself from the guy, Morris, the hooker, claiming that he wasn't their employee at the time the study was conducted. When this failed to spark action by the British Food Journal, 40 scientists, including leading experts in the field of science policy and research ethics, as well as two members of parliament, issued an open letter in 2008 to the editor and editorial board of the journal calling for the study's retraction. And the experts came from the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Norway, France, Italy, Brazil, Indonesia, Japan, and the letter which openly called the newspaper a disgraceful incident coincided with a fruitless attempt by Morris, to, to, the hooker, to sue his, sue his exposers for alleged libel. So Morris attempted at the time to shut down both the GM Watch and the GM Free Ireland for criticizing his fraudulent action. He also tried to sue a computer scientist from the University of New South Wales who was the first to prove the legitimacy of the deceptiveness that was involved. And what was written was Shane Morris must be fairly desperate to create such melodramatic lies seven years after the fact. This was stated by a guy named Michael Kahu, who was a Greenpeace campaigner that Morris had irrationally accused of tampering with the whiteboard signs during the course of the study. And if any of those things had actually happened, wouldn't he have been the first to call the police or tell the press? So now you've got GMOs that are in your diet. And what have you got? You guys... You guys, if you, if you use soy oil, if you use corn oil, 
if you use canola oil and even alleged organic canola oil or cottonseed oil, those are the foremost prevalent genetically modified seed oils on the face of the earth. If you don't read labels, <laughs> you, 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 you is your own worst enemy, baby. So while we're going on, we're going down the line. So <clears throat> despite the fact that you can get your daily recommendation of calcium, potassium, and protein from fruits and vegetables and whole grains, the dairy industry has spent billions of dollars to convince consumers otherwise. The question, got milk? We hope not, because despite being a somewhat tasty addition to coffee and tea and delectable treats, the ingredient when it's pasteurized is highly toxic to the human body. And there were studies that were conducted that shows to be milk of more of a detriment to the human body than an egg. Why? Because despite popular belief, the food has never been shown to reduce fracture risk. Eating dairy may increase the risk of fractures to your bones by 50%. And this finding is supported by the fact that countries with the lowest rates of dairy and calcium consumption, like those in Africa and Asia, have the lowest rates of osteoporosis. You understand? Do you understand? So even though you got celebrity endorsements and advertisements and all this crap by the dairy industry, we have been taught to believe that dairy is an ideal food for optimum health. But there's so much misinformation surrounding this subject that it's unbelievable. There was a video that was created by Vox that illustrated the facade of the dairy industry. And one of the points made is that despite the fact that the consumers can get the daily recommendation of calcium, potassium, and protein from fruits and vegetables, the dairy industry has spent billions to convince the population otherwise. I mean, if you were taught that you have to drink milk to grow big and strong, you're not alone. But now it's time to get educated. Milk is very mucus-forming in the human body. It contributes to allergies, ear infections, type 1 diabetes, anemia, constipation. Milk can contribute to various types of cancers as consumption of the product increases the body's level of insulin-like growth factor 1. The good news is there are plenty of tasty, creamy dairy alternatives that are not only easy to make, they're affordable. 
Milks, of course, they don't want you to use the word milk. There was a lawsuit that you can't say rice milk, you can't say almond milk, you can't say cashew milk, you can't say hemp milk, you can't say coconut milk. Do you find them in all the grocery stores? Do you find them in health food stores? And there's even companies that sell dairy-free ice cream. You got Ben and Jerry's selling dairy-free ice cream. And what's happened is that the, the dairy-free ice cream has surged within the past few years, and sales in particular have increased by 250% from 2000 to 2015. Seriously. It's ridiculous. It's just, it's just, but yet we are indoctrinated. We are, oh God, I'm on the air. I'll call you back. It's crazy. This is what we're led to believe. This is what we're brainwashed. And yet you think that you need this. Do you know, you know, hey, I, I know different, man. Oh, God, why do they keep calling me? I'm on the air. I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the radio. Thank you. So here's the deal, okay? I grew up in Newark. Hey, every meal, man, glass of milk, bacon and eggs, hamburgers, uh, macaroni and cheese, my whole life. I had zits like you wouldn't believe. I had allergies coming out of my Ocoli. It was unbelievable. And it all changed. In 1975, when I switched my diet to a plant-based diet, everything changed. My health improved. My energy increased. Everything. And then I, 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 I'm just saying, you know, we all have to go through changes. We all have to break our conditioning. There, there was this lady. Her name was Kelly Cooper. And she bought my book a while ago. And uh, I don't know, I don't know, about a month or two ago, I, I received an email from her. And it blew my mind out because she made this incredible, incredible transformation in her body. She went down five dress sizes in four months. And her health and her fitness improved dramatically. And she sent me this humongous email about what she did and how she did it. And it was like when she was in her teens and her early 20s, she used to compete in you know, pageants, you know, beauty pageants. And she would win sw swimsuit awards and all this, you know. And she, you know, she was saying that fat-free was the rage and she prided herself on eating less than five grams of fat a day during competition season. And she was five foot six, weighed 125 pounds. She was muscular. But losing weight wasn't easy. But it wasn't hard. But she liked a lot of foods, and she gave up a lot when she competed, and then she would go ballistic. So as she got into her 20s and she got into her 30s, it became harder. Even though she worked out every day, she was still 20 pounds more 
than when she competed. So people told her, hey, that's what happens with age. Don't worry about it. You're still within your body mass index. Oh, feel good. Everything is good. So in about 2010, she started to run four to five miles a day. And she used to stand up at a desk, you know, because she found out it would burn 500 extra calories. And then she started uh, adopting a quote-unquote healthy eating routine of whole grains and pastas and soups and whatever. And then she went back to work and she got Subway sandwiches and she got back to a body mass index that only lasted about seven months and then her weight started going up again. So then she started asking people, what the, what do I do? Oh my God, what do I, what do I, what do I do? Oh my, you know, it was like a, it was like a, an unbelievable snowstorm for her. So what happened was somebody told her about my book, seriously, my book, A Sane Diet for an Insane World. So she went to that website. She checked my Facebook page where I have a lot of articles. She went to my website and she started making changes. So after she read the book, it opened up a nightmare for her. So what she said was she spent three days reading every label that was in her kitchen, in the refrigerator, in the pantry. And she said by the third day or fourth day, she had to sit on the floor and cry because all the foods that she was feeding to her kids and herself were loaded with all kinds of additives, hidden MSG, sugar, 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 and more sugar. And she said if she didn't recognize an ingredient, she looked it up on the internet and went even more ballistic. So what she did was she decided that she's going to take a walk on the wild side and she went totally vegan. She read the book. She didn't know what to do. She went totally vegan. Changed her diet, started making smoothies in the morning, started eating steamed vegetables and whole grains like bulgur, like quinoa and buckwheat, which were seeds, like brown rice, like millet. She stuck with that. And all of a sudden, she gave up all the little junk foods that she used to eat, like the Oreos and whatever. Her weight came down. She came down to the weight that she was when she used to go into beauty pageants. Her muscular definition increased. And she's telling me, I, 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 you know, and then all the illnesses, all the stuff that she had in her body, because when she read the book and she read the, the, the chapter, on sulfur, she ordered the sulfur. You know, like everyone else that orders sulfur, you never really hear from her. And then when she told me that the sulfur got rid of her joint pain, when it got rid of everything that she had, and her health improved, and her skin was radiant, and her hair was growing, and I mean, it was like she she felt revitalized. Now, I didn't do anything. 
I was merely a factor that was put out there. And she happened to discover it, and she took advantage of it. It's like the last chapter in my book is at the waterhole. So it goes with the old saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. That's up to the horse to drink. Well, she did. <laughs> she did. And all the things I'm talking about, no more drugs, no more weight gain, no more apathy, no more anything. Because it, the body is now eating what it is designed to eat. It's not eating what the tongue is telling you it likes, but the body is not designed to eat. Why, why didn't I learn any of this when I was a kid? Why, why didn't anybody in any school tell me this? Why? I don't know. Because we're all brainwashed. Why didn't my parents know about it? Because they were brainwashed. They were conditioned by their parents who were conditioned by their parents. You know, it's... (laughs) God bless you. Thank you. So anyway, this is life. So if if you're feeling content with being on drugs, if you're feeling content with being overweight, if you're feeling content with arthritis pain, If you're feeling content with sneezing all the time, he says with a straight face. If you're content with migraine headaches, if you're content with abnormalities in your body, if you're content with taking prescription drugs, if you're content with seeing your doctor, and if you're content with only having something that treats a symptom but not the cause, then do what you're doing. Switching to a plant-based diet of clean foods, plant foods, whole grains, as few chemicals as possible, as organic. Look, I know a lot of the organic stuff is all messed up, but at least it's more clean than the pesticide-laden stuff. And your body to you should be the most important thing and your health to you should be the most important thing so the choice is yours I made my choice I ain't never gonna look back I mean I play with I play ball with guys they're they're good athletes and they can still hit the ball and they can still throw but they can run somewhat but they're all overweight. They got guys get cancer. They got severe arthritis. They got severe constipation. I don't have any of that. So I don't care what kind of an athlete I am. I don't care if I'm better or I'm worse. It doesn't matter. The point is, I go to a doctor once every three or four years just to get a physical. I don't take prescription drugs. My blood pressure never goes up. It stays normal. It's usually 112 over 79 or 80. What's wrong with that? Why not be normal? 
I don't I don't take prescription drugs. None. And you don't have to take it either. So the point is, the choice is yours. If you go to www.asanediet.com, you have access to read a really good book that was written by a really good friend of mine, me. Anyway, George Harrison is doing his thing, and it's my favorite song. And I think I have less than a minute. So why don't we let George do his thing, and hopefully I'll have some impact, and uh, I'll catch you all next week. Aloha. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Tuesday, June 7th, 2016. And it is about eight minutes after noon Pacific time, if that's when it is where you're at. Then we're live, and that means you can participate in the show by calling in 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. That will get you on the air. If you'd like to participate by instead going to say, oh, I don't know, uh, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, You can do so by looking over on the left-hand side. You'll see the chat link, and poof, click it. You're in there, chatting away with the other folks. I uh, stop in, as I'm doing right now, and there you have it. You can be chatting with them right in there. Anyhow, uh... Yahoo Instant Messenger, uh, you can try it. AVRN Talk is the chat is my screen name, not chat name, my screen name. Anyhow, it is Tuesday, as I said, and that means we've got Al from Colorado here for the lightning round. Welcome, Al. Yeah, I guess Hitler has already won California without the voting in being finished. Hitler has won again, hasn't she? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Well, or should we say she's stolen another one, right? Well, Al, you know what? I I actually read something that Sanders put out yesterday, and I thought, well, you know what? Let me check this out. And I haven't. I uh, to be honest, I mean honestly, really, I I haven't paid as much attention to the Democratic race as mm-hmm. I was the Republican race. I, I mean, it's just you know failure on my part because I wasn't. I don't. I didn't care. Because as far as I'm concerned, Hillary, Bernie, uh, same thing. Communists, you know, globalists. No, there's no difference. Care. I agree. You know, so I didn't pay that much attention to it. But I thought, okay, let me, let me look at this. Sanders is going, hey, wait a minute. The media is, is a little ahead of themselves here. Yeah, and guess what, Frank? Mm-hmm. The superdelegates don't vote until July 27th. That's right. And, you know, that, that's the main thing, is the media has been giving Hillary Clinton... When they put up any numbers, they've been giving her the superdelegates from the very beginning. Okay, which, All but, don't, which they don't vote until another over a month from now. Right, they're not anybody's. They're not anybody's. So how can they say she's won the primary then, Frank? Well, she is ahead in one, uh, you know, as in one, I win. What, in regular delegates? She's yeah. ahead, mate. Yeah, she's ahead by like 200 in that, right? However, yeah. however, however, however... Yeah. Today, a bunch of states vote, the two biggest ones being New Jersey and California. Now, between New Jersey and California, there are about eh, 500 delegates, one delegates. I'm not counting the superdelegates, okay? I'm not counting the regular ones. There's about, between those two states, about 500 delegates up for grabs. Okay. And then there's these other states that got 10 and 15. and Montana they, and hey, a few other you know ones. What? But they all, they all add up, right? But, I mean, yeah. still, the two big ones are, are Jersey and uh, California. And together they come out around 500. And, okay. Uh, now, listen. Okay, so Bernie is expected to lose New Jersey. Okay? Okay. Okay, so 
the media has already said when she wins New Jersey, they're going to call it right away when the polls in New Jersey close, and they're going to say Hillary is the winner, she got all these delegates, it's over, she's the nominee, and they're going to do this to try to discourage the people still voting oh, in California. Oh, yeah, people still in California because there's still a couple hours left three, in California. Three hours they'll have left, okay? But, How many? Three? Yeah, but they'll be going like, oh, oh, gee, what's the point, Al? He already lost. Well, he didn't yeah. already lose because, let me tell you, even if he loses New Jersey and he wins California, they're going to be like, Dead tied for the delegates. Oh, that they then have it gets won. interesting, is what you're telling us, Frank. Now, here's the thing that you don't people don't get about the super delegates. They're not bound. It doesn't matter what they told you two months ago. Maybe two months ago they were all going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but maybe now. And, and let me tell you something. If these delegates look at if Bernie Sanders somehow wins New Jersey, also because he could very well win California. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah thing is, if he gets ahead somehow in the one delegate department, mm-hmm. the super delegates have to look at that and say, uh, you know he what, was. we're going to have a riot on our hands. If You know, this, this is the candidate the people want. And a lot of super delegates are, I believe, going to go and say, well, you know, Goodbye, I, I, Hitler, I, I got to vote with the guy the people want, right? That's right. And some delegates are just going to go, I don't give a damn. Hillary gave me a pile of money, and I'm voting for her. You know, uh, you know so <laughs> some people are going to do that, of course. Well, but... I'll tell you what's going to hurt Hitlery too. This Secret Service agent guy's got this new book out about Hitlery when she was uh, first lady. Uh-huh. Have you seen that? I have. And yes, I... and that's going to get interesting, and I hope this guy has a Kevlar vest. I actually know people who have relatives that have been in the Secret Service in the past, and one of them was actually somebody who worked at the White House. And How interesting. The, now, this is secondhand information, of course, you know, because... Now, who was the resident at that time of the White Clinton. House? Clinton. Oh. Okay. And uh, they, they, you know, this... this oh, this boy, I'll tell you member, what. This family member says that their family member just absolutely hates Hillary Clinton because she's just, you know... What did they say? That the White House staff was even terrified of her. The staff of the White House. You know, she walked around pushing, uh, you know, uh, pushing her way past uh, uh, Secret Service agents, telling them to get the hell out of my way. Using uh, expletives as well, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's not a nice person. She's not No, no, I'll tell you what... If there's anything to indict Hitlery on, forget about the yeah, the email server and Benghazi is one thing, but the slush fund for what's his name? What did they say? They left the White House broke, and then oh, a couple yeah. years later, then she and Bill have got a hundred and fifteen million between the two of them. Oh well, you know she's that. Oh yeah, now she wears twelve thousand and a half thousand dollar jackets now, or dresses, or whatever she's got now. Well, she yeah, that's... she's really one of the people, isn't she, Frank? She's one of those smart little investors. Al, remember that hundred? Oh yeah, that's right. She turned a thousand into a hundred grand in three or four months, or six months, or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, under three months. Yes. Yeah, Al, yeah, you know, like so a, yeah. Give us a break, Frank. She's just yeah. a real smart cook. You make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well you know. like I say, Frank, Barry is protecting her because if she goes down, she's going to take him with her. She's going to take well, a whole bunch of people with her. The thing is, though, you know, Barry, 
I don't know, man. It's clear that they are not friends. No, we know that right now. Okay, so, and these are two, and, and I'm not even talking, I am talking personally about Hillary, but uh, Obama, I think, is more of a front man. He, I don't think he really makes any decisions. I think he was more, I think he's more like Bill Clinton. He's just there having a good time and doing what he wants, playing golf, uh, get up, give a speech every once in a while. I mean, he obviously doesn't prepare for his speeches. He just gets up there and reads what they put in front of him. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously. Yeah, and if his teleprompter breaks, he's out of luck, right? Yeah, well, you've seen that in action several times. I mean, the guy cannot give a speech without his teleprompter. And what well, the, then what uh, that's worthless. He's just, well, he's just a puppet, as you say. He does look, what he's told. What that tells me is you don't know the speech. You didn't prepare the speech. You may not have even read the speech before, you know. They probably uh, just threw it right in front, right before you step up to the podium. They probably shoved it in your hand or whatever. Well, he's busy doing other things, and there's nothing in your hand. It's all on the screen. It's all on the screen. If something happens to the screen, well. Well, then he's SOL. You're on your own, buddy, and he can't do anything, you know. So, I saw something where they're talking about him being the new United Nations head or something after he <laughs> leaves the White House. Yeah. Can you see him? Oh, goodness gracious. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Well, it, oh. you know, I, I mean, hey, I think that the uh, United Nations should be. Uh, you know, uh, hey, they can the, do it. Those were the two buildings that should have come down, Frank. The wrong buildings went down on 9-11, Frank. You know what? They can do what they want. The rest of the world can do what they want with the U.N., but the United States should get out of the United Nations and kick them out of New York. No, I think they need to kick else. them off the dirt, too, and send them yeah, over to Europe sure. and let them go be over in Europe else. and let them fool around in Europe. Yeah, go somewhere else. Uh, you know, have We don't need these people. I don't care. None of their edicts apply to you or me or any of the AVR listeners. No, they don't. And, and you know, well, we don't care. And I'll tell you one another thing. A lot of these things don't apply because, folks, you got to ask yourself. Okay, we're you know, they go. Oh well, federal law says this, and federal law says that. Well, are you on federal land? Are you in a federal building? Are you a federal person? You got to ask yourself those things and say, well, what jurisdiction do you, the federal government, have over me or my property? What is the nexus here? Make them say, well, uh, mm, uh. Well, you got that five-digit zip code, which tells us you're part of our dirt now, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. That's part of it. Well, then you got the wonderful Buck Act in well, there, you know too. What, Al? The-, the thing is, my point is, and I, I agree with you, there are a lot of things, they tricks they use to yes. say, oh, see? But these are tricks they haven't told the American people now, have they? Yeah, but some of us know their tricks. I know, now, but the we, average person, and I'm... Oh, I'm, Joe Lunchbucket doesn't know Jack Squat. He knows when Dancing with the Stars is on next. That's what he I'm, knows. I'm talking 90% of our population has no clue that... Oh, absolutely. Maybe more. The zip code or any of that stuff has any bearing on their status at all. They don't know that. And you know what? The government doesn't want them to know. They don't want to tell them. Oh, and don't forget, you got that little nine-digit slave number, Frank. Remember, they told you had to have that number. You couldn't work, Frank, without that well, number. And told that, you couldn't well, have it. It's another thing. But people have no idea that the government presumes that by you getting that, oh, you've agreed to be a federal person. No, you're a U.S. citizen now, Frank. Yeah, which makes you also a taxpayer. Because, yeah. do you know, in the, uh, in the IRS code... The, under the definition of taxpayer, 
U.S. citizen. So when you say you're a U.S. citizen, you're actually saying, yes, I'm a taxpayer. In 1961. Unless you go, no. Hey, guess what? That's not what I meant. In 1961, they changed the slave number to your tax ID number. Did you know that, Frank? In 1961. Yep. Then your Franklin came on board. Yeah. A banner year. But, yeah. You know, the thing is, though, Al, it's all presumption. Because yeah, there is. Well. Now, listen, there is nothing in the law that says, okay, Al, here it is, Section 5, uh, you know, uh, whatever, Paragraph 3 says that when you get your Social Security number, Al, you now become a federal slave and you are subject to all federal laws everywhere you ever go. There is no law that tells people that, okay? What it mm -hmm. is is a presumption. They just presume. Oh. They lied to you, Frank, when they told you you needed that slave number. You couldn't work, Frank. You well, can't well, well, work, Frank. I'm sorry, Frank. You don't want to work, Frank? Then you don't get the number. You don't get to work, Frank, so you get to starve, right? Gee, Al, you know, uh, I'm just presuming because you signed up for this because we told you you had to. That yeah. you did it voluntarily, for one thing, which... Well, they told you you had to do it, though, Frank. That's why you volunteered, though, <laughs> well, right? Right. right. Hey, Frank, come on. You want to go work at Mickey D's or whatever, you Frank? you got to have your slave number, Frank, but they didn't tell you it was you a slave You can volunteer number. to eat or you can volunteer to starve. That's right, Frank. You know? and, and so, but that's not volunteering. That's under duress. And yes, it is. And if they didn't disclose to you, this is what's happening. Well, they to didn't you. disclose. Right. It. You didn't have full disclosure, right. so the whole thing is fraud. You know, it's and, all fraud, Frank. And it's they. But then again, you go. What? Okay, like I said, there is nothing in the law that says, Al, when you sign this, you give up your freedoms and become a federal slave. Uh, but what is in the law is the idea that they are allowed to presume. Things and they don't have to tell you what they're presuming. Oh, isn't that nice and sneaky, Frank? We can presume, but we're not going to tell old Frank that when he got his slave number that he's a federal slave now. We never told. We didn't. We just presumed he was a federal slave, right? Well, he got that number, so we're presuming that he is. You know. Oh, you know, yeah. okay. And unless he says he's not, then he is. Yeah. And that's the law of presumption. When they presume something, it is until you say it ain't. Aha, uh -huh. you've got to be a, what's the word, belligerent claimant. Uh, something, claimant, right? Yep, yep, yeah, belligerent claimant. You have to be, and, and you have to rebut all the presumptions, you know, which isn't easy because you don't even know what they all are. So That's right. So basically, you just have well, to... Well, gee, if I can't, I presume that the studio cast is still alive? Can, can I presume that? You can and it is until I doesn't tell make you. It, it doesn't make the studio cat alive, though, Doc. That's just because I presume it. Well, it does, though, until I tell you. No, he isn't. Oh, the studio cat's no longer with us, so I guess my presumption is wrong then, right, Frank? It's a rebuttable presumption. It's like, hey, no, it ain't. Now, see, Al, the way the law works is Al gets to presume what he wants, okay? And yeah. that makes it true in law. That, oh, you presumed it, so it's true because I haven't said anything, right? But right. now I go, oh, no, it ain't, Al. Oh, now what happens is it ain't over. See, it's not over, Al. Just because oh, so, I... Franklin, you're telling me you're no longer a U.S. slave. Is that what you're telling me now, Frank? You're rebutting that. Is that well, what you're Well, if I say, me? look, uh, when, when I, hey, 
When I said, you know, when I agreed U.S. citizen, what that means is, and then I tell you, uh, I am a United States of America citizen through my citizenship of one of the states of the Union, one of the several states of the Union, and by that, I become a United States of America citizen, nothing else. So if you presume that I'm a part of some sort of corporation or something, uh, that's not true. Now, like I said, Al, it ain't over. Uh Just like when they presume something, mainly saying, I say this is. Well, just because you say it is doesn't make it so. Just because you say it is. Saying it it doesn't make it so. That's Right. right. But in law, it is so until I say, no, it ain't. And now Until you rebut it. But then again, Al, just because I say no, it ain't, don't mean it ain't. Okay? Okay, now you've got got a fight on your hands now, Well, Frank. now, no. Now the burden of proof shifts to them, and they've got to prove it. Which, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something that they really... Do you think they want to stand up in an open court somewhere and say, Okay, well... Let's see, way back in 1917, uh, or way back in the Civil War, or way back whenever we started this scam, this is what we did. We turned all the states into military districts, and uh, you're not really free, and it's all one big federal government, and the states is not but a shame. Yeah, and then we passed the Buck Act in 1940 <laughs> right. or 41, and now we just said, hey, the whole country is washing machine D.C. now. Right. Do you think they really want to... Oh, they don't want to tell you that because then the scam is over and everybody starts getting angry and the boomers come out. You see, this is the thing. This is why it's important to understand this so you can stand up. And you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, make some super precedent where you freed all the slaves in Egypt. Oh, boy, you know, you're most. No, no. don't work that no. way. Yeah, it's got to be a person-by-person right. basis, Frank. That's right. What's going to happen is they're going to say... Case dismissed, get the hell out of here, never come back. And then they're going to tell their cops, you know what, you see this guy, walk the Leave other way. Leave him alone. Yeah, walk the other way, unless he's killing somebody or robbing some store or something. Leave him alone. That's we, right. We don't want to see him in here again. You know, and that's what they do. And then you go merrily along your way like you've got this little shield around you, and everything's great for you. But Well, no, because you can't drive around with Kits Rob- without Kits Robber's piece of metal on it, because they will stop you for that, yes. Well, you know, they do, but then they don't for some people. You do that long enough, man, and they and you stay in your area because if you go out See, of the I'm area, not, you know, I'm not ready to play that game. I understand how that game works, Frank, but I'm not ready to play that one yet. I understand oh, the, it's the a big, traveling it's and a the driving hassle. issue. It's a big hassle. It takes a lot of time. Oh yeah, yeah. You end up in uh, you end up in their in their so-called courts most of the time too, and wasting your time. Well, yeah, and I you know look, I did that for eleven years, and oh no. But listen, you know, I got pulled over in those eleven years six times. That's not bad. It's almost once in every two years. Two of those times, one time was a deputy sheriff. Actually, two of them. Another yeah. time was a state trooper. And uh-huh. I talked to them, and they, because they have this, this is in the statutes, and I reminded them, and they, they decided, yeah, okay, that they have discretion, okay, on traffic uh, violations. They have mm-hmm. discretion whether to write a ticket or not, even okay. whether you did it or not. They could have caught you red-handed. You did it. They know you did it. You could even admit you did it. Uh-huh. And, and they have the discretion to say, bah, I'm not going to write the ticket, though. 
Okay, and it's totally legal. They can do that. It's in the, it's okay. in the statute. So they decided, okay, we're not going to write the ticket. Okay, so fine. The other four times I had to go to court. Okay. Now, of course, before I showed up in court, I filed a bunch of paperwork saying, okay, here's where I'm coming from. Blah, blah. So I get, Status and all that. I get into court, dismissed, 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 dismissed. Okay. Got them all done. Got them all dismissed. But I didn't win anything. I just got to come back again well, and do it all over dismissed. again. You know? Well, you, 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 uh, you, kept, uh, you kept a bunch of revenue from them, too, though, Frank, is what well, you that's did true. Those. I, I, but I took a lot of time and all that, you know, so it's... Well, not, yeah, it took up your time, it's in not other words. An easy, yes. It's not an easy fight. No. But you can have some success for yourself. Now, if, you know, like I did, I thought I was going to change the world. Okay? No. I'm gonna, no, no, no. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to win, and everybody's going to follow, and everybody's going to cut their lights. Yeah, yeah well, they would put it on national news and said, oh, Frank, oh, Frank in Oregon, he just beat these people four times. He doesn't need plates on his car and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's going to start taking their plates off now, aren't they? Yeah, well. That's so, all it takes, Frank. Everybody takes their plates off. Yeah, but that's not what happens. So, you know, after I'm a slow learner, it took me like 11 years to realize, hey, guess what? I'm not going to Oh, change. the light bulb. It took 11 be, years for the light bulb to come I'm out. Not gonna be I'm not going to be changing the world here. You know, I can no. just keep doing this until eternity ends. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, you again, huh? Yeah, dismissed. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. I wasted a week, and here we are again. Ah, dismissed again. Oh, great. This is this is swell. You know, so well, I, the dismissal's going to have to wait for another a few minutes, Frank, because right. it is break time. All right, Al. Here we go, and we'll be back in a few. There ain't
body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why Distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Tuesday, June 7, 2016. It's about 1237 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And uh, that was Eddie Co- uh, Jack Cochran. And uh, before that, Eric Clapton. So there you have it. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. You can get on the air, participate in the show. You can also go to the chat room, which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can participate in the show there, too. Uh, People are uh, doing so. Okay. Okay. There you have it there, commenting on the United Nations, but uh, bad thing. Bad thing, United Nations. We got Al from Colorado here for the uh, lightning round. What do you think, Al? What do you well, think? What, what's your you thoughts what, about the U.N.? The U.N. should have been the two buildings that should have gone down on 9-11. We'd all been cheering, Frank. I would. Absolutely. But we've got some more fun news with Bill and Hitlery. They've got their own dirty little university that no one's talking about in the mainstream press horse. Well, of course not. What's that? Oh, yes. It's called Something University. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's got some ridiculous name. Something University. And they, uh, they're just as bad as the Donald. <laughs> well, Isn't this a fun one, Frank? Well, Isn't this fun? You know, the thing is, that's another thing I've been reading about. Because, uh, let's see, Trump now has said, hey, this this judge should be recused because yeah. this judge is a member of La Raza. Yeah. Go, oh, well, they're not really a member of the La Raza General Committee. They're just the lawyers for La Raza. Well, and then, oh, did you see what that dirtbag, phony baloney Democrat posing as a Republican? This guy isn't even just a rhino, man. This guy is a complete Democrat. Married to a millionaire Democratic lobbyist, Ryan, the so-called Speaker of the House. Oh, he's oh that idiot! There, oh, he's out there disavowing, disavowing the Donald. Uh, you know, oh, that's that's traditional racist to say that somebody can't do their job because of their race. Well, wait a minute. Uh, Donald's not the one who's a part of a group called the race. That's right. You know, uh, what are you talking about here, man? And uh, you know what? Uh, what's her name? Sotomayor? She already yeah. said that race makes a difference in the judge's rulings. Well, cheese whiz, man, Uncle Frank. Then it's time to get rid of this guy. Well, I mean, Paul Ryan is just uh, just a dirt oh, He's bag. an idiot. He's a piece of garbage, too. I found out the name. Laureate Education. 
Oh. Hillary University, Bill Clinton back $16.46 million for from for-profit college as State Department funneled $55 million back. Isn't that nice? So the State Department gave Joe Lunchbucket's $55 million of Joe Lunchbucket's money to this private university called Laureate Education, and, and, and Hitler and her husband got almost $16.5 million from that. Isn't that fun? Well, Sotomayor has said that ethnicity, ethnicity, ethnicity does ethnicity, count, matters. And sex of a judge, here's a quote, may and will make a difference in our judging. She also goes on to say, I hope that a wise Latina woman with the richness of her experiences would make more often than not reach a better conclusion than a white male who hasn't lived that life. Oh, give me a break. And then she says uh, that the Court of Appeals is where policy is made. And then she says, oh, and I know, I know this is on tape, and I should never say that because we don't make law. I know, okay, I know. I'm not promoting it. I'm not advocating it. I'm, you know, that was the end of her quote. Yeah. So, you know what? When when Trump says, hey, man, you know, I say we need to build a wall. I say we need to have Mexico pay for it. I say we need to deport all these illegal aliens from Mexico. That's right. And if you don't like it, tough luck. Leave. But now I have a judge sitting on my case that is a part of La Raza. You know, then, then automatically should recuse that judge. Automatically. I'd be screaming. He is. And and what does he have? He has the speaker of his own party saying he's a racist for saying... Uh, yeah, the idiot. federal judge. Listen, the federal judge presiding over Trump University class action lawsuit is a member of the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association. That should automatically dis... What's his name? Automatically disallow him or recuse him. As yeah, they U.S. Automatically do that. U.S. District Judge Gonzalo Curiel. Yeah. Well, Gonzalo can go find somebody else to judge because the Donald should be screaming and I would force them to remove him. And not only that, that's the judge, right? Right. Well, what about the jury? Meanwhile, <laughs> well, meanwhile, the San Diego-based law firm representing the plaintiffs in the Trump University case, Rob, yes. uh, Robbins, Geller, Rudman, and Dowd, was yes. listed as a sponsor of the event, meaning the La Raza event. Oh, gee whiz. You think there's a little conflict of interest here, you Listen, think? The San Diego firm paid $675,000. Folks, for those of you math challenged, that's over half a million dollars. Yes. To the Clintons for speeches. And the firm's founder is a wealthy San Diego lawyer who served a two-year sentence in federal prison for his role in a kickback scheme to mobilize plaintiffs for class action lawsuits. Oh, brother. How'd he get it? So he's out. The whole system is rotten to the core, Frank. So this guy is out of prison, and he's practicing law again, doing exactly the same thing he did that got him in prison? 
Uh, Frank, there's some people who need a bullet. I, I mean, what? Oh, Frank, I'm telling you. Now, some people for- now some people are arguing and going, well, you know, the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association is not really affiliated with the National Council of La Raza. Well, like heck. Yeah, consider this. The San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association is a member of the La Raza Lawyers of California, affiliated with the Chicano Latino Latino Bar Association of California. On the website of the La Raza Lawyers Association of California, at the bottom of the links and affiliates page, the National Council of La Raza is listed. The website of the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association is joint listed as San Diego's Latino Latina Bar Association on the endorsements page. Tell me that this isn't a fixed ball game, Frank. On the endorsements page, the combined website lists the National Council of La Raza as part of the community, along with the Hispanic National Bar Association, a group that emerged with a changed name from originally formed La Raza National Lawyers Association and the La Raza National Bar Association, tracing its origin back to 1971. So La Raza needs to be kicked out of the country, too, and all the stinking lawyers that belong to it. Well, you know, this is obviously a, a, you know, and it's not the, hey, look, this doesn't surprise me that they're doing this. It doesn't surprise me that the, the the head of the law firm was in prison, and he's doing the same thing over again. It doesn't surprise me that there's a La Raza judge on the bench. Why well, should anything surprise me. you, Frank? But you know, what, you know what the crime is here? What's the, crime the crime is Paul Ryan, the so-called well, Paul Republican. Ryan's an idiot. The so-called Republican, because Donald Trump calls them out on this BS, he starts calling Trump a racist. That's, oh, he's a piece of garbage, you know, Ryan. That, he's another one who needs a bullet. That's the thing that really, really, you know, irks me. See, because, look, I expect my enemy to pull out every stop and do anything they can, right? Yeah, but not somebody on your own team. That's right. That's a betrayal, and he needs to be hanged for that. That's called tyranny, treason, whatever you want to call it. You know, Paul Ryan is is. A oh, he's a piece of garbage. He's uh, just another piece of garbage like the other 534. Well, he's... What are you going to do? They're all trash, Frank. i got to watch my language. I almost said something I didn't want to say over the air. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to be real careful. got to be real careful, Frank. Even though this is the Internet, we have kids listening, maybe. Well, Internet and satellite. Whatever. Well, the thing is, you know, you want to keep it so that, you know, the the independent FMs will still want to carry, uh, you know, what you say. No, because, no you know, I'm being very careful, Frank. Believe me, there's things I want to say. You, I think for sure, I'm sure there's things you want to say that you can't say, Frank, I'm oh, sure. all the time. And, I, you know, I, 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 even, <laughs> I even have a song I play every once in a while when I get really frustrated. It's called yeah. Do Bad yeah. Things to You. Yeah, well, you know, you ever hear that song, Take This Job and Shove It? I think <laughs> yeah. we've got a new song now, Frank. Yeah. Take this Hillary and shove her. Yeah, and, and take all your little puppies with you because, like Paul Ryan, he is nothing but an yeah. operative for the uh, Democrats. Uh, they're all they're all bought and paid for, every one of them. Well, so they're just as well. Let's put it this way: Hillary is dirty. Everybody in the country knows Hillary is dirty, except the mainstream news prostitutes. Okay, they know that Hillary's dirty, but they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. No. 
No, well, no. Because if they lose their sponsorship or if they lose their advertisers, Frank, what happens to them? Uh-oh. Well, look, with Hillary, there's another aspect of biting the hand that feeds you. She bites back. Well, she's got a lot of dirt on everybody like she did yeah. when uh, when Bill got impeached. Otherwise, he would have been gone. I'm telling you. <laughs> Impeachment, you, friends, does not mean getting rid of uh, Barry or, or, or Billary. It just means that uh, they, you've been impeached. Well, it means you go to trial in the Senate. That's right, and they weren't going to. They weren't going to. Uh, yeah, he went to trial in the Senate, and they cleared him because yep. they knew if he went down, they were going down. Yep, that's right. And because Hitlery has so much dirt on the existing people that are in the administration or whatever, including Barry, he's not going to indict her. Or tell Loretta Lynch Bob to indict her. Yeah. Have you ever heard of these things, uh, national security letters? Oh, there's my favorite letter. They're my favorite two words again national security letters. I've heard of something letters, but they weren't be called national. They were called something else no, that's letters. What they're called. These ones are FBI is pushing for legislation that will legalize its national security letter abuses. Uh, one of the more interesting things, listen to this, that sneaks out around the edges of the FBI's redaction bars and Yahoo's document dump of national security letters was the sheer amount of information the agency was demanding. The FBI, using letters it writes and approves with no outside oversight, wants all the following in exchange for a piece of paper backed by nothing but the FBI's national security claims. Garbage. Listen, listen this is what they ask. In preparing yeah. your response to the national security letter, you should determine whether your company maintains the following types of information which may be considered to you to be electronic communications transactional record in accordance with Title 18, uh, United States Code 2709, subscriber name and related subscriber information, account number, date, account opened or closed, physical and or postal address associated with the account, subscriber day, evening telephone numbers, screen names or other l- online names associated with the account, all billing and method of payment related to the account, alternative build numbers or calling cards, all email addresses associated with the town, internet protocol addresses, uniform resource locator, plain old telephone, ISDN circuits, voice over internet, cable modem service, internet service, subscriber line, uh, digital uh, subscriber line, asymmetric, uh, whatever. The names of any and all upstream and providers facilitating this account's Communication. See, this is what they send your Internet provider. They send one of these national security letters saying, we want all this information. We have no warrant. But none of this is done through a court, though, is it, Frank? Nope. Is what I'm asking. This is from the FBI. This is not from a court subpoenaing right. any record. And well, what? then guess what? Then everybody should just ignore it because they don't have the authority to well, do that. Well, and they should because what this goes on to say, this is odd because the FBI is not entitled. To all this information when using well, unless 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 Congress or, or Congress is given the authority or given the court's authority or given the FBI authority to do this, then they don't have the authority to ask that question. I mean, it's a it's a terrible proctology 101. Right. Um, well, this is what I would do if I have an ISP. I would say, okay, I got this national security letter from the FBI. Now, is there some uh, statute or uh, regulation authorizing the uh, FBI to ask for this information? If there isn't, goodbye. 18 U.S.C. 2709 authorizes them to do a national security letter, but it's very uh, broad. Specific. 
about what they can ask for. As a matter of fact, the statute does not mention the phrase electronic communication transactional records, but it still limits the types of covered records to name, address, length of service, and billing records, okay, which is the equivalent of a phone record. Give me your phone records, okay? Okay. That's, okay. All, that's what they are allowed by statute to get with these national but security But no letters. more than that. No. See, they're not allowed, they're not authorized to ask for electronic communication transactional records, which, of course, they do ask for. Well, wouldn't that be an email then, an electronic communication, something, blah, blah, as you're saying? Isn't that what an email is, basically? Well, let's see here. Uh, My understanding is you send an email, that's an electronic communication record, Frank. Yeah, but what they're asking for is they're wanting your phone numbers, they're wanting your postal address, they're wanting, you know, they're now, not... Now, is this all given? Is this is what you're just mentioning now? Is that covered by the statute? No. 27? It's not? Well, then guess what? Then they don't get to do it. No, listen. Name, address, length of service, and billing records. That's it. That's just what those four information. Just those four pieces yeah, of information. They're not, they're not allowed to have IP numbers and all this other crap they want for. Well, URLs then guess what? I'm going to give you the four that you're allowed to have, and you can go a pound sand. The only problem is they send these national security letters to places like you know Yahoo and. Uh, you know, AT&T and Verizon. So and Yahoo and AT&T like, and all the dummies give up all the info, in other words. That's right, because they don't want any trouble with the federal government. Like yeah. right now, you know, Yahoo, uh, Verizon, slash whoever else they own. is Well, uh, well there, just they, offered, somebody just made a $3 billion yeah. offer for Yahoo, yeah, I Yeah, that's think. Verizon and, uh, you know. A, a, and AT&T or well, somebody. Well, no, Verizon yeah. owns somebody else. And yeah, AOL. AOL, that's it. Or Verizon AOL is making a $3 billion offer. $3 billion for bid for Yahoo. Well, yeah. if Yahoo accepts that, you know, that has to be approved by the federal government. Mm-hmm. See, so these guys, they don't want to cause any trouble with the federal government, because if they do, they, they want to get away. the sale done. That's that, well, or whatever else they want done. See, whatever else they want done needs well, to be Well, that means, Frank, you get rid of your Yahoo Instant Messenger then, Frank, because they're going to be looking at you and me and everybody yeah, else. They are bad. What do you mean, going to be? They've been, Al. Well, know. yeah, well, they've been looking at us since before AVR even became a what's-his-name, because <laughs> came on the air. That's it, you know, but... You know, but this is why they don't want to say, oh, hey, wait a minute, you're not authorized for this. I mean, they got they got buildings full of lawyers, and, uh, you know, they're not telling them, oh, no, you're, you're not entitled to this. We'll give you what you're entitled to, but that's it. They don't want to do that because, see, it's like, oh, no, play nice, give them what they want, and uh, maybe they'll they'll be nice to us. Maybe they'll let us yeah, do Yeah, maybe they'll want. let the sale go through, right? Yeah, 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 or... A rating, you know, like the telephone companies. Or when we come by and say, hey, man, we want a rate increase. Hey, look, we've cooperated with you on everything you've ever asked us to do to screw our customers over, so now we'd like a rate increase. What do you say? Oh, okay. Yeah, you've been a good uh, a good boy. You, you get a rate Yeah, you've been a good little stooge On the other us. hand, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Aren't you the guys that told us that uh, you'll only give us what? You know, the statute said we're entitled to? Oh, well, guess what? No rate increase for you. Ah, tough duty. You see how it works, Al? Yeah, it's a, it's a, the whole system is fraud, Frank. It's it from really the top is. to the bottom. It the is. whole entire system is one big fraud. It, it, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think you're right. 
I really do. I think you're right. Now, um, what, else, what else is on your what else is on your scope? I don't know. Well, like I say, I want to see what happens. Is it possible? Is it possible that Bernie could win California tonight? Is it possible? I think it's possible. You, I mean, even the what polls, does that do to Hitlery if he does win California? I don't care if she does have her so-called well, number of delegates. It, it depends how big he wins California. Because, uh-huh. you know, the Democrats don't do any uh, winner-take-all states. Okay, they don't have any of those. So, in other words, it's a split deal. So, in other words, New Jersey is a split deal, too, is what a- you're telling Every Democratic primary is. It's How they do it is it's like this. And I this is not the pr- proper formula, but this is how it goes. So, uh-huh. the state is split into districts, right? Voting districts, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Con- well, con- congressional districts, right, yeah. Right, right. So, you get, like, let's say you win a congressional district, and... Uh, even if you only win, say, 20% of the state, and you won mm-hmm. a few districts, though, right? Yeah. Well, you get a certain amount of delegates for every district you won. Okay. Then you get additional delegates if you win, you know, the the state. Like, you got more votes than the other guy. Oh, in other words, if, he, if Bernie would win both New Jersey and California, she'd have some real problems now, wouldn't she? Oh, pfft, Yeah. She'd have real problems, and it would be a legitimately contested convention. I'll tell you what, if if Bernie loses California, I think he should be screaming to the highest thing, because you know Hitlery and and, uh, what is it, Diebold are in bed together. You know that. Yeah, well, yeah, but does Bernie know that? And is Bernie willing to say it? I think Bernie's camp knows that Hitlery's in bed with But are they willing to say it? Because, you know, the thing is... Bernie Sanders is still a senator. He's still in there. Bernie Sanders is not an outsider, okay? He Mm -hmm. might not take corporate money, and that's great, but he's not an outsider, okay? Mm -hmm. So Donald is the outsider. Right. He knows how it goes, and, and those voting machines, he's a sitting senator, so those voting machines have benefited him at least once. Maybe more. You know, so he doesn't want to give up that. Well, as far as I'm concerned, like we've talked many times in the past, when you start running for president, you should be giving up your seat automatically in the Senate or the House, immediately. Well, and he's not really running for president yet. He's running. Well, he hasn't got the nomination yet either, though. Right. Well, that's what he's running for. See, that's right. Both of these people have not yet run for president. They are running. Mm -hmm. For their parties, Donald not, doesn't have to give up anything because he's not a sitting congressman or a senator, so he doesn't have to give up a darn thing. No, 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 he doesn't. He ought to. You know, he but ought, I think no. He I ought to go to the for, convention and say, "Okay, I'm the nominee." Well, let me tell you what I'm doing. First off, everybody who works for the Republican National Committee is fired. Good. That's what I would do. The first. That's thing what he should do. do. Absolutely. And I put new people in here because you know what. Y'all try to screw me. You try to screw the American people. What do you mean they you know? screwed Bernie too? Bernie got screwed by Hillary how many times already? Well, yeah, but Bernie ain't. A, Bernie isn't going to probably be able to. You know, if he wins the convention, he could. But I mean, that is really unlikely. But well, it could I think happen. no matter what happens, Hillary. Hillary is going to win the convention no matter what Bernie does in California or New Jersey. I'm afraid. Well, that's true. But it, if he does, it really will make it a lot more interesting. And we're out of time, Frank. We are, Al. We'll see you again next Tuesday. See Thanks you next for being week. On. Bye-bye. Alrighty. 
Folks, I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is Financial Survival. Got a full day after that, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine. My new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt, and your rambling don't rattle me. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Gentlemen, I'm Melody Suderstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. Today is Tuesday, June 7th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Well, you know, no one really cares that there was only uh, 38,000 jobs created <laughs> in the U.S., uh, uh, last month, uh, all they needed to hear was uh, the Federal Reserve uh, uh, Janet Yellen express confidence in health of the U.S. economy, uh, but offered no fresh hints on the timing of the next interest rate hike. And uh, that's all the world markets needed uh, was just to hear 
Uh, again, we talk so much about confidence. It doesn't matter that only 38,000 jobs were created. I, that doesn't mean anything, Al. Well, that's, it's all what comes reality. out of the mouth. It's irrelevant. It's, We're talking about confidence, which is something subjective. Yep. And that's what we are running the economy on. Absolutely. Yes. So it's whatever comes out of the mouth of Janet Yellen rules the world stock markets. But gold today, it, it fought. It fought the uh, pressures uh, just down a few cents today, holding at 12 hundred and forty five. Silver also down just a few cents, six six cents at sixteen forty eight. Platinum was up five at one thousand and five. Palladium was down two at five hundred and fifty nine. The USDX today a little pressure down point two zero at ninety three eighty four. Crude oil uh, finally topped fifty uh, was up 0.78 at 50.47. And the paper markets today, you had the Dow up 20 points, really off the highs of the day, but uh, still managed to stay up above 20, 17,941. The NASDAQ was down 6, not 49.61. The S&P was up 2 at 21.12. 10-year yield, 1.71%. The euro is still holding 114. And uh, Germany was up um, almost 2%. And again, it's all a matter of uh, everyone knows she's not going to do the rate increase in June. So it doesn't matter uh, why. It's just uh, uh, the rate increase is not going to happen in June. So uh, that pushed the uh, markets worldwide up. There's a, a World Equity Index. It's called the MSCI. That tracks about 45 nations, the shares in 45 nations, and that rose to the highest in more than five weeks, and um, it was up 0.63% on pace for on pace for its fourth session, fourth session of gains. So, you know, it, it's it's happy uh, days are here. Happy again. days are here again. But again, yep. you know, when you see these peaks and you see these highs. Well, you know what happens when you hit those highs. There's, uh, and with gold, there's certainly less risk to the downside, where the stock markets, the paper markets, uh, certainly that risk to the downside is much greater. So, There's a video that Janet Yellen was of a meeting, <clears throat> that in, an interview that included Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, and Paul Volcker. Volcker. And... There's a section in about two and a half minutes where Mrs. Ms. Yellen is being interviewed. She's nervous. Uh, maybe she's not used to public speaking. Maybe she's intimidated by the presence of Bernanke and Volcker. Maybe she's lying. And unlike Obama, has little confidence in her ability to lie convincingly. Now, the video is short and fairly dull, but <clears throat> there's a point to noticing that in the context of the video, Mrs. Yellen uh, repeatedly claimed that the United States is not a bubble economy. She said it twice in the three and a half minutes or two and a half minutes that she was on there. Not a bubble economy. And my reaction is, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that. I mean, seriously, really? You really think it's not a bubble economy? <laughs> you know, again, I think, uh, methinks Ms. Yellen doth protest too much. <clears throat> Let me explain why. How old was the video? It was April. 
Mm-hmm. It was April of this year, so. And she was with Bernanke? It's going on two months. Yeah, she was on stage with Bernanke and Paul, Paul Volcker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. Anyway, suppose I maxed out all my credit cards, borrowed heavily from the local bank, and hit up all my friends and fans for every dime I could beg, borrow, or steal. Suppose I used all the money I borrowed to buy a brand-new million-dollar mansion, a Tesla Model S automobile, and an expensive new wardrobe. Anyone looking at my clothes, my car, my home, would suppose that I must have a pretty good job, a strong income stream, and I must be very prosperous. But what if they learned how much, how little money I actually make? And how deeply indebted I was. In fact, I borrowed all the money to buy that house and the car and the clothes. The whole thing's done. The whole thing's done on credit. Do you suppose they'd still think that I was living, that I was really as prosperous as I appeared? Or would they conclude that my prosperity was an illusion based on debt rather than my personal productivity? If my lifestyle was mostly a debt-based illusion, would it be fair to call me a fraud and my lifestyle a bubble that was inflated by debt that was excessive and even irrational since I could never really repay any of it? Hmm? My point, first point is this. When we talk about bubbles, they're talking about something that's been inflated to look bigger than it really is. What do we use to inflate bubbles? And the answer is debt. That's what all the bubbles are all about. They are a balloon puffed up with debt. And if the debt stops flowing into the balloon, the balloon is going to collapse. Now, apply the same principles to the apparent prosperity based on debt um, in our allegedly strong U.S. economy. This, Mrs. Yellen, she says, oh, we're, things are going great. You know, we're really... Uh, but the official national debt has more than doubled since Obama took office and is now nearly $20 trillion. John Williams talk about it on a regular basis at shadowstat.com. He claims the true national debt is closer to $100 trillion. The Congressional Budget Office, the economist Lauren Kotlikoff, have said that including unfunded liabilities, the U.S. government's true national debt is over $200 trillion. Now, my question to the audience And to Mrs. Yellen, is this, how can any rational person claim that despite being built on at least $20 trillion in national debt that won't ever be repaid in full, the U.S. economy is still strong, self-supporting, and definitely not a bubble economy? Of course it's a bubble economy. All modern economic bubbles are built on excess and irrational debt. The bubbles are inflated with debt. Those are mere promises to pay. Hasn't our seemingly strong but over, overly indebted U.S. economy been inflated, stimulated with excess debt? Obama has doubled the national debt in his seven years so far in office. Right? That has inflated, that's created a bubble economy. If it wasn't a bubble economy to begin with, it is now. Hasn't our seemingly, when we saw quantitative easing, they pumped in trillions of dollars into the economy. What did that do if not help to create a bubble? And so, from my perspective, the way I look at it, 
How can Janet Yellen or anyone else claim that the U.S. is not a bubble economy? How can they make that claim and keep a straight face? It is a bubble economy. Look at the debt. If we were making, if this economy was supporting itself based merely on our productivity, and we didn't have to borrow money, or the government didn't have to borrow money, and use that money to stimulate the economy and try to hold things together, I'd say, yeah, okay, we've got a good, strong economy. But the debt itself is proof that we have a bubble economy. And if you've got a bubble economy, if the government, if our national economy is a bubble economy, our enormous debt, again, proves that it's a bubble. As such, it's certain to pop, and probably not so long from now. In fact, since the global monetary system is based on debt, the whole global economy is a bubble economy, too. And as such, the global economy is also certain sooner or later to pop. And although Janet Yellen has a job to pump sunshine and maintain public confidence in the system and the and the, the economy and the currency. Truth of the matter is, this whole thing is a production that Lawrence Welk would really appreciate. Somebody turn off the bubble machine, you know? That's why I like that uh, website, Credit Bubble Bulletin. We've been in a bubble economy much longer than 2008. I mean, and again, I go back to the very beginning of fiat currency. Every recession that we've had, our, our our ability to um, come out of that recession was all based on newly created debt, yeah, which created bubbles to get us out of that recession. So we never really came out of any of those recessions. I know. So we've had the, so going the back down. to the oh. you know going back to recessions of eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, early two thousand and one, two thousand. We've never come out of any of those recessions. They've only been glossed over and bubbles have created. Look at the corporate debt that we have in today. They're holding more corporate debt than they do cash. They borrow with these low rates and they buy back their shares. They, 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 they borrow to pay dividends and their debt has created a bubble stock market. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't anything real about it, folks. And Janet says, oh, it's not a bubble economy. <laughs> That's all it is. You believe the opposite of what they twice. tell she you. You said it twice in the little interview I was talking about. Um, you know, but it's just not true. It's not true. And it's interesting that she would deny it. Because it indicates that a lot of people are claiming, oh, it is a bubble economy. And she's hearing those claims and she says, oh, we got to defeat this. We've got to try to assure people that, reassure people that it's not a bubble economy. Yeah, it is. It's all built on debt. That's all they have. Yeah. And it has to, it's just going to blow up sooner or later. How soon does it pop? Don't know. But one of the implications, of course, is that while Ms. Yellen and the rest of the wheelers and dealers, while they are trying to assure us that everything is well, and the economy is strong and so on, you've got to take personal responsibility. If you're going to wait for Ms. Yellen and people like Bernanke and Paul Volcker and President Obama in the House and the kind of Senate rest that, if you think they're going to save you, you be dumb. It's time you have to take responsibility for yourself and your own survival. And you have to start thinking and acting in a way, even though it may make you anxious, 
you're going to have to start taking personal responsibility for your own affairs because if you don't, you're going to get caught like the vast majority of people. When this thing does pop, most people are going to be in a very vulnerable situation, a vulnerable condition, and you can minimize. You can minimize that if you get prepared now. And I think too, you know, we mentioned last week that it doesn't it doesn't take a large doesn't take a huge catastrophic event to to get the ball rolling into a day's world. It can just be a little <laughs> it could be just a a little blurp, a little bump somewhere and well, I think it could bring talk- the whole system down. We were talking in the context of Janet Yellen uh another one of her speeches just this last couple of days where she's talking about there's so many uncertainties. That she can't easily make a move because there are so many uncertainties. What does she mean by uncertainties? She means circumstances that are beyond the control of the government and or Federal Reserve. That's what she's really talking about. And when she's complaining, we were talking about, we were, we were following up and using the analogy of the black swan, and they were saying there's a whole squadron of black swans that are coming in here. And we don't know which one is going to pop our little balloons, but any one of them could. Well, Janet, when she's talking about uncertainties, we were talking about black swans. But what she's really talking about occurred to me earlier today. She's talking about things that they can't control. They see it out there, right? Like the inflation rate or the unemployment rate or the or high, you know, productivity levels or whatever. They see these things. And nothing's popped the bubble yet, but they are not in control. That's why they are uncertainties. That's why she refers to them as uncertainties, or at least that's my strong suspicion. What else, Melody? You know, and you know, we don't talk much about Russia. We don't talk much about uh, you know foreign wars and so forth. But I just saw this report that it says uh, uh, Russia deploys troops westward as standoff with NATO deepens. I mean, here's something that comes out of left field. You don't know what's going to happen over there. You know, they're building up troops over there. There's really not a lot of discussion about them, particularly during this election. Uh, you know, things have been sort of put on the you know quiet side as the media. Um, you know, continues to, you know, focus on this election. And, uh, but, you know, that's just one of the, uh, you know, one of the uh, little black swans, little baby Uh swans that uh, uh, could certainly uh, create, you know, a very serious situation. Uh, Many people believe there will be war. Um, But um, certainly if Hillary gets elected, there will be most likely. But, uh, it's hard to say what's going to happen. I don't think we're going to go to nuclear war. I don't think that's going to happen. I think nobody. I, I don't think anyone is crazy enough to do that. But I think in order to avoid nuclear war, we're going to see a lot more small skirmishes. Instead of a big major war, I think we'll see minor skirmishes in different places around the globe. But um, that's just speculation. We'll watch and see whether that's, you know, whether that turns out to be true or false. But we can't. The world can't afford. A World War Three, but we can afford an endless stream of little conflicts in Syria and Iraq and who knows where, maybe the South China Sea. Uh, small con, small manageable conflicts. Not too many people get killed. Lots of bombs get expended. Lots of money gets borrowed. 
I don't know. The whole thing is crazy. The whole thing is insane. Well, that's really true, Al. How many countries have the money to go to war anymore? Well, you don't you know, they don't. They don't. You don't need money. You need credit. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? The Time magazine, Time magazine put out that set of encyclopedias. They had several several sets of encyclopedias 20 years ago, and one of them was the, the 20th century, the century of war. It was really the century of credit, right? You, they are fighting wars with credit, right? If we had to fight wars just on the resources we have, if we had enough resources to fight a war, uh, enough of a war chest, it, we'd only accumulate it by taxing our people into poverty. Yeah. And if we had that much gold or real resources stored up that the government could afford to go to war, there would be other places, other, other, other nations that would want to invade to seize that gold. It becomes almost dangerous to have a mountain of gold. Somebody's going to try and come try to take it away from it. Credit eases the whole thing. Credit is what makes the world go to war. It's easy because the public doesn't get it. They don't have to pay high taxes to to support the war. We'll leave the debt to the kids and the grandkids. Let's take a break. We are at it's time for us to take a break for some commercials. Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, You can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. 
Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedars from On Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. Got an article here from ABC News. The headline is, Hillary Wins Democratic Party Nomination. It's kind of interesting. This was, this was a little bit premature. It's correct, but it's a little premature when it came out. It says, Clinton clinches just barely. Hillary Clinton has exactly enough delegates to win the Democratic nomination, according to ABC News estimates, based on additional superdelegates allotted by the Associated Press Monday night. I don't know how many words are in that sentence, but it's, uh, it's not exactly well written. Hundreds of those included in the count are unbound superdelegates, which means even though she's got enough Delegates right now, hundreds of them, in theory, could change their minds. They're not really assigned to her just yet. All right, they're being counted, but they're not, it's not a guaranteed deal. But even losses in California and elsewhere for Clinton today, while not anticipated, will not change the outcome. This leaves Clinton the presumptive Democratic nominee for president and makes her poised to become the first woman to secure a major party presidential nomination in American history. Notably and coincidentally, today marks the eighth anniversary of the day that Clinton got out of the race against Barack Obama and the famous speech about cracks in the glass ceiling after it became clear that Obama had a sizable majority of pledged delegates. This goes back eight years ago. Even with enough delegates, she is still not the nominee. He or she is chosen next month in Philadelphia. What's next for Sanders? Bernie Sanders is under no obligation to drop out after Tuesday. Or for that matter, after June 14th, when the last round of primary voting takes place in the District of Columbia. He is free to make his case to superdelegates who are not obligated to formally commit, formally commit to a candidate until the convention in Philadelphia. Sanders has criticized the use of superdelegates regularly during his campaign speeches, 
But Delegate Math makes it clear that it's impossible for him to secure a majority of delegates without using some superdelegates of his own. Barring a blowout tomorrow by Clinton, either she or Sanders would need the support of superdelegates to secure an outright, an outright majority at the convention. And what they're saying here, what they appear to be saying is even though Hillary is technically, she has technically won the nomination, she hasn't actually won it yet. And it could go either way. And depending on what happens with the superdelegates, apparently this is going to be a contested convention. The Democratic National Convention is going to be contested. That's the implication. While, while Bernie Sanders continues to try to make his pitch for superdelegates to come over to his side rather than to Hillary's side, and as long as that's still a live issue, we are perhaps going to see a contested Democratic National Convention, which is, I don't know, it's interesting. It's fascinating. You know, we have a, a national election that if someone had written this up two or three years ago and said, well, we're going to have this billionaire who's going to defeat 16 Republican candidates. He's never been to hold political office, but he's going to defeat all these governors and senators and whatever and because because the public really likes him. And then we're going to have some crooked woman who is trying to be the first woman president for the Democrats. And then we're going to have Bernie, the socialist. He's going to be there. And we're going to have the Republican Party admit, they're going to admit that in order to prevent this billionaire from getting the nomination, they're prepared to expose the fact that the votes of the people who think they're part of the Republican Party don't really count in the primaries. It's up to the establishment to decide who's going to be nominated, who's not going to be nominated. And the Democrats have done virtually the same thing. If you tried to put that together in a novel, people say, oh, that's crazy. Nobody believed that. And yet here we are living in it. What's don't don't What's forget. And this is a, just extraordinary. Don't forget the third party libertarian um, guy that's running. Um, I ran as a libertarian for the Texas Supreme Court. I mean, he, he you know, and I saw his first, I saw my first interview with him. And we do have a caller that we should get to. Uh, I saw my, his first interview last night. Uh, I just don't pay much attention to the libertarians. And, um, well, if you're a libertarian less than I, a uh, listener, um, I don't mean that in a negative way. Just uh, I follow a little bit, but not a whole lot. And it was sort of funny because they asked him about his marijuana usage. And he admitted, he says, yeah, he says, I'm a recreational user of marijuana. What state is he from? New Mexico. He was the twice governor of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, yeah, it's been five weeks since I've used. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? He just fits right in with all the... I know, the whole thing. <laughs> what a right in. <laughs> This is the greatest show on earth. Arnhem and Bailey would just say, oh my God, we never put on anything like this. And Trump he has said that the Republican, he has actually said that the Republican convention, the national convention, it would be the greatest show on earth. I mean, he's going to put on a circus there. That's his intent. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is, this is, this is one to remember to tell the kids, the grandkids, um, this, is, this is something you're, I don't think we'll ever see again. We've got a caller, Jerry, from South Dakota. Hello, Jerry. How are you? 
Hi, Al. Melody, I really enjoy your show. Thank uh, you. I'm saddened to hear about Jim's passing. I put a lot of uh, a lot of uh, faith in the uh, comments he had. But I wanted to, uh, you, you've been talking about the economy and uh, debt, and I, we have a, I think we have a real crisis coming up on us in the farm economy. I've uh, been to a couple farm auctions, and yep. the absolute bottom has dropped out of the farm uh, implement uh, market. You can and buy you mean... the Pardon? Well, when you say the bottom has dropped out of the farm implement market, are you saying that instead of buying new farm implements, new tractors or whatever, that the farmers that are still semi-prosperous, they are feeding off the, pro the farmers who have gone broke and they're buying their tractors for a dime on the dollar? Uh, there's no Therefore, one they don't need a new one because they're taking advantage of the, of the used ones that are available? Right. Well, they are to some extent, but there is just there is no market out there hardly for you can buy state of the art conventional 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 equipment now. Now I'm not talking about big stuff, but smaller items like if you wanted to get started in farming or something like that, you can buy them for almost scrap iron price. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I bought a a while back. I bought a. a uh, Cincinnati uh, horizontal milling machine. This is about well, about seven foot tall machine. Weighs about fourteen hundred pounds for a hundred dollars. Yeah, and that tells me that there's no one out there that's really interested in doing anything. Yeah. Well, you know, you farmers know. have. There's been a big slump, uh, and the banks they're <clears throat> not. You know, they're tightening the credit for farmers. Uh, there's been a rise in delinquencies. Um, you have a forcing some of these uh, farmers to turn to alternative sources, so so they can't get loans uh, for these uh, equipments. Um, we talked about this, I believe, last week, where uh, um, you know they, you know, just like anything else, you know, it was booming. The agricultural, the agriculture department or area was booming, and the banks uh, dished out a lot of credit, and uh, now they got weaker. And uh, now, you know, the, the, the banks are not lending. They're tightening the credit. And uh, this is the, the third year that the farms have been having troubles. And uh, it's uh, some of these growers uh, are, are finding it difficult to have the collateral. And, um, you know, they, they can't pay for seeds. They can't pay for chemicals. They, they can't pay for the rent. And that's kind of the crisis I'm referring to <clears throat> in the near future. Most of these farmers have been buying their success, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and they're very dependent on the chemical companies. And if this thing uh, dwindles down to where they can't afford to get this stuff, uh, that they, their inputs that they need, there, there's no one to take over. Yeah. There's, not a, there's a very few younger generation out there to take over. Yeah, that's yeah. true. How how soon do you think we're going to see the consequences of what you perceive to be happening in the farming community? How soon before it impacts on the majority of the American people, where we can see it and all of a sudden people say, oh, my God, look at the prices? Well, I, it's, that's one of those things. It's hard to tell, but mm -hmm. I think it could happen quite rapidly mm -hmm. because once the production uh, is curtailed, 
there's not a lot in the pipeline anymore. You know, we don't have the farm commodity storage that we used to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I understand, and it's it won't be something that you just you know shut her down. It's like turning off the computer at night before you go to bed, and in the morning you can turn it back on again. They're not. Right. It's not that simple with a farm. You don't just turn it off and say, well, we're just going to let it go for a year or two, and then we'll turn it back on. It won't be quite that easy. No, it um, won't come back on. When I was younger and coming back to the farm, there were thousands of young people moving back to the farm. Uh-huh. Now uh, they're all, well, I got three kids. They got, all got a college education. They're all interest, more interested in their smartphones. They're really not interested in uh, food production anymore. I understand. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no need for them to be because they they're either they they've been you know sort of conditioned knowing that you have all the fast food restaurants you know there's restaurants on every corner and they've you know sort of this part of the illusion that uh, there there's no, no there'll never be any shortages of food there's there's mm-hmm. there's really no need for farms because all these restaurants have food they they don't know where the the food really comes from anymore it's or they, it's not recognized they don't it's not just knowing where it comes from they don't they take it for granted that it will always be here they don't understand the urgency behind this and that's not going to be easily communicated i mean it's almost like a draft. So that you got to go work on a farm, so we've got some food to eat. And they say, "Hey, forget that. I'm going to I'm going to go play a video game. I don't have time to be on the farm." Um, I was. My dad had a he he bought a retirement farm back oh in the 70s, and I worked on it for a while. He had a couple head of a couple hundred head of uh, black Angus cattle, and I took care of them and blah blah blah. But in the process, at the time, what I I became. I'm not a farmer, and I, you know, I, I. But but I studied the issue to some degree, and I remember that at the time they calculated that if you wanted to build up a farm, I'm trying to think, maybe it was even in the '60s when he started that farm. But if you wanted to build up a farm that would generate that if the twenty-five thousand dollars a year income, you had to have an initial investment of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in land and equipment. Now, that's different money scale than we have now, and I think it was actually in the 60s when I think about it, rather than in the, uh, he kept it into the 70s and so on. But the point I'm trying to make is what it came down to at the time, you could make as much interest off the investment. You take that $150,000 invested in the bank, at that point in time, you could make as much off the interest on that on that principle as you could make by investing it into a farm and working 40, 50 hours a week, maybe 60 hours a week. The implication was the farmer then was work. His time was for nothing. Now, well, right it's now, not the same mathematics well, today. I understand that. But this has not been a really lucrative situation for family farmers for a long time. Well, even if they did really want to farm someone, a younger person, they, if they could borrow the money, for instance, uh, they, they couldn't even pay the interest, yeah. uh, make enough yeah. money off it to pay the interest right now. So, so how do you think, Well, you have so many of these farms that are subsidized, you know, to the wealthy. You yeah. have Monsanto in there, you know. So, I mean, it's hard for farmers, and, you know, it's... And you've got to compete with well, the big corporate farms and the rest of that sort of thing, which makes it very difficult. 
challenging. I, I thought I'd just give you a heads up that that might be something you want to keep an eye on because uh, I think we're uh, heading for a crisis in that area. Oh, I agree. I think we're headed. This is another one of another bubble. We're talking about these uncertainties and black swans and whatever. Uh, this is just one more to add to the list, and you keep on stacking them up and stacking them, and pretty soon you can figure, you know, the the black swan that broke the camel's back. That's where we're going right now. Uh, we're going to finally get to the one that's going to do some real damage, and when that happens, we're all going to be we're all going to be surprised, shocked, and we won't be pleased. How okay, long do you well, think it will be before it turns around? We've got. Like 15 seconds left. Do you want to hang on until we get back from the commercial break? Oh, I can. Sure. All right. Why don't you do that, Jerry? Hold on for a couple of minutes. We're going to take a break. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a couple of minutes with Jerry from South Dakota. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and we're talking from talking to Jerry from South Dakota about what may be an approaching crisis in American agriculture. 
What do you think, Jerry? Is what do you think is happening to the if if the prices of farm implements are way down? What's happening to the price of farmland? A lot of people in the last few years have talked about investing in farmland, and they thought it was a good well, idea. What do you think? Is that and it's going to go down, presumably. You can it's correct trending me. Trending down now. How long do you think it might be before it has to go back up? That's that's a good question. My myself, I don't see it turning around. Uh, I don't see any future in our in our society where we got the uh, the means or the uh, the ambition or the interest to turn it around. Mm-hmm. The, the people aren't interested in it. You know, the, the yeah, but they're going to get interested when they start starving. I mean, yeah. you got to have food. And I guarantee you, even people that are even people that have Xboxes and the rest of that are going to sit down. Huck, I got to put this game away for a while, and I've got to grow some tomatoes or something. We've got to have something to eat. But you got to have some land too. Well, I know. And how? How? I don't know how these people are going to attain that land, other than you know, people who have a farmer, a family that's connected with a farm. Yeah. Uh, there may be a, pro- a process there that can work, but uh, well, right around here in our area, you know, the, the, our population is going down. Uh, mm-hmm. They, uh, a lot of these small towns, a third of the houses are empty. Yeah, because the kids have all migrated to other parts of the country. Uh, I, I don't see much of a future. It sounds like the sort of scenario that we might have noticed during the Great Depression. I mean, we had the Dust Bowl, and we had people leaving Oklahoma to go to California, and a lot of people got wiped out. They were wiped out who were in in agriculture, farmers and whatever. Um, It turned around. It has to turn around sooner or later, but... Well, you hear that a lot, you know, about the 30s and uh, what happened in the 30s, but... I see that as a completely different scenario because we had millions of acres of trees to harvest. We had uh, tons and tons of iron ore to mine, and we had a whole uh, growing uh, uh, economy, and we don't have any of that anymore. Yeah. Well, we live in interesting times, Jerry, and interesting (laughs) in the sense of being dangerous. Well, You know, it's almost astonishing. How can people be so stupid? How do we let our farms disappear on us, Jerry? How can that well, be excused? How can it be explained? Is it just an accident? Is it stupidity? Or are there people that are working to make this happen? Well, a lot of it is uh, like back when Henry Ford uh, started his motor vehicle uh, business. He paid a lot higher wages than farmers could pay. Mm-hmm. And Silicon Valley can pay a lot higher wages than farmers. You know, I could. I'm a. I'm an old farmer. I'm 74, and I got a lot of experience. I could cope, maybe go out and work for a farmer and make 10 or 12 dollars an hour. Yeah. You know, that's about all I'd make. You know, whereas uh, kids can go to school. Well, of course, that's changing now too. That's another scenario. You know, that you got that's got to figure in is the is the college debt crisis and uh, what are these kids going to do. You know, uh, they're not going to pay the debt. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, they'll just write that debt off. Yeah, they can't. 
Well, they'll default on it. It's like 40% right now, if I understand correctly, are defaulting on the debt. And I won't be surprised if it goes to 60 70% before it's all over. Uh, just crazy times, insane times. Again, lesson, you got to take care of yourself. Clearly, the I government's sure. not going to work on our behalf. They're doing stupid things. They're either indifferent to the truth or they are opposed to the truth. Um, but if you, you want know, to take care of yourself, if you, you've got to be the one responsible to do that. Well, another part of the problem, I remember growing up, going to the grocery store with my grandparents. You know, you didn't have watermelons in the winter time. We started importing all this food from all around the world. Uh, we started, you know, importing more food than we exported. And I mean, and it's just like it became so imbalanced. And, you know, let's just follow the mighty dollar. Let's find out who makes it, you know, with this multinational corporations. They, they wanted the farms to fail because they didn't make any money. You know, you have, you know, you talked about going out, being able to make $10 an hour, maybe getting a job. But, you know, that illegal alien you know, will take your same job for probably a little bit less than that. So, you know, it, it's. I do believe it was designed, it was an agenda to to make these farms uh, fail. Look what they've done to our lands. Uh, Look what they've done, I mean, to the the soil. I mean, it's, you know, and like what you mentioned, we don't have the storage facilities. It it was all by design, all by design. Anything else, Gary, that you'd like to add? I think that's, uh, I said about all I can say for now. Appreciate it, Jerry. Appreciate the call. Appreciate the information. We'll keep an eye on American agriculture, and we'll watch what happens over the course of the next months. And uh, just another one of those black swans. Well, look at Venezuela. Yeah. You know, where's their food come from? I know. How do they get their food? They're starving to death. Starving. In what is apparently, I mean, I've I've never been to Venezuela, but I assume this is a tropical country. You would suppose that it's it's not too hard to grow crops there. That's not necessarily true. They have some tropical countries that are the soil is terribly depleted and. You know, it's it's very vulnerable, but just the same, you'd think these people ought to be able to grow some food of their own. They should be able to raise some cattle or something, and, and some of them are out eating dogs and cats. Oh, wow, that would never happen here in the United oh, States. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You better say that, Ruby, because your Ruby is listening. <laughs> <clears throat> That's why Melody is saying that. Well, I'm saying that. Ruby is the dog. Ruby is Melody's dog. I better fat. Oh, we would never eat a dog. <laughs> that's what people think, Al. Never here in the States. That'll never I, happen here. Yeah, I understand. Well, we'll see. Let's hope let's hope that's correct. Let's hope that never is absolutely correct. But the truth of the matter is the vast you know, the last time we had a depression, I don't know what the real number was, but it may be that half the people in the country were living in a rural environment. Right now, I doubt that it's five or much more than five, ten percent maximum that are living in a rural environment. Probably down in the neighborhood of five percent. Hey, you know what? Populations, you know, their idea is to de- to deplete the population. 
Um, you know, and to me, I think it's all part of it. I can remember people writing articles about, you know, I can remember back in the 90s, it was Walmart. Walmart was the government store. Walmart was going to be the, 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 the company and the place that, you know, people would go to to get their food because the food would, would be rationed. And then you, you sort of seen, you know, where you have Jenny Craig's and, you know, all this food that delivers to your home. That was another training type um, uh, program to, to, to ration food, you know, a system to be in place to actually, it would, you know, the food would be rationed to the people and that food would come from the government. And, of course, it ties to Monsanto and everything to, you know, hey, the food will kill you. So, again, it's, you know, people say, oh, well, that's really crazy. Not if you, not if you take a vaccine, Melody. <laughs> Take that. Yeah, take that. You have a vaccine to protect you against the food. But I mean, a truly, will have one to protect it, you from seriously. GMO corn, and but another seriously. one to protect you from GMO rice, and another one from GMO yeah. tomatoes. Right, and you'll probably right. need 25 or 30 vaccines to protect you. But really, when you hear about those stories, even you think, well, you know, back then it might have been a conspiracy and so forth. But really, it seems like that's the kind of the direction that it could very easily be headed. Yeah, you see these things, and it's hard to believe what you're looking at. And it's one of the things, you know, you look at these things, and you want to give government or people in positions of power the benefit of the doubt to, well, they're not really trying to wreck this country. That's are just some inadvertent consequences, uh, collateral damage that happens from time to time. But you keep looking, and you keep looking, and you keep looking, and it's hard to simply ignore the possibility that maybe they really do want to destroy this country. As, as preposterous as that idea seems, you keep looking and you see it. Because when do you see that people in positions of power are doing what's right for the American people? It's almost unknown. Where do you see it? It's for special interests. It's for the upper tenth of a percent, the upper one percent, maybe in the top ten percent. They're getting over. The majority of the American people are being left to shift for themselves. And it can't end well. That's got to change. There's got to be something, and it can't be, you can't just sit back and, and say this is an accident or we'll do something for the majority here one of these days. We haven't done anything from the majority for the majority in maybe decades. These multinational corporations, these banks, these, you know, the powers, the, the elite you know, and yes, I don't believe every politician in Washington, when they make those decisions, actually, you know, thinks that it's a way to destroy this country. But I do believe that just does, by the sheer, I just, I do believe by the sheer amount of, of greed and, 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 you know, with these multinational corporations and being globalized and knowing what the elite want with a, if you believe in a one world government and if they believe in, you know, a one world uh, a monetary policy and so forth, that is part of the agenda to destroy this country. Uh-huh. And I do believe there are a, a select group that absolutely that is their agenda. George Soros would agree with you. He said absolutely. It was, his, his big objective was to destroy the United States. But he's not. Some, but he's not a congressman from from the state of Alabama. That, no, but he can uh, buy know, as many. He's got enough money to buy as many as he needs. I mean, he may not be so, a congressman, but you don't need to if you got enough money to buy him. But uh, so no, I do believe it is a 
agenda intentionally to destroy this country. Why do you think it is? I think the answer is because this country is one of the very few that might be able to stop the new world order. But if this country were destroyed, if it were balkanized by bringing in enough people, legal or illegal, into this country to, to set it down where we've got so much, it's no longer a homogenous nation and whatever, under those circumstances, we start fighting amongst ourselves and we don't have time to fight with the new world order. I think it's been designed in order to eliminate the possible competition of the the one one of the very few, maybe the only nation that could well exist. New world order. Well, I think it's all about control, and I think it's all about um, going back again. I'm going to turn it back to taking away our gold standard. Uh, it was a system, uh, and I do believe we're conditioned. I do believe not everyone, because we wouldn't be doing this programs if that conditioning affected us. But I do believe there's a conditioning. I do believe there is a uh, an agenda and a conditioning um, uh, to the people. And it started with our monetary policy, um, the growth of government. They're very patient. Um, they've waited hundreds. Uh, I believe they waited hundreds of years to get to this point. Which tells us what? They're not motivated by ordinary greed. These people that we're dealing with are motivated spiritually, right? You don't have generation after generation working for some goal that is contrary to the majority of people's best interests. It's, it's not just ordinary greed. It's not just ordinary ego ambition. It is something moves them from a spiritual level where they are running their own kind of high, holy war against this nation. From my perspective, at the top of the New World Order, look closely, and I expect to find Satanists up there or something very similar. It is spiritual, but it's the wealth and the power that is their reward here on earth. It may so, be, but there's still well, no, it is. Uh, the motivation to me is not just ordinary greed. It's not just a bunch of characters like Al Capone who've decided they can run Chicago or they can run Illinois or they can run the country. That's not just what we're not just dealing with gangsters. They look like that. They're, I don't mean that they have no pro, that they're averse. Oh, I very much believe that they know what they're doing in the spiritual world on the evil mm -hmm. side, but mm -hmm. still it is the wealth and the power that gives them their ability to... I get that. I get that, but it's not the objective from my perspective. I think they're working for spiritual reasons because otherwise that, you get a big car, you get a big house, you get a bunch of uh, young women chasing you around. How much more do you need? A spiritually you, motivated, motivated man, he's but, looking to take over the world, change it for but whatever. But you need that wealth in order to change it. No, I understand. That's I understand. my point. Just and it is part. Because you know, so. I do believe it is a spiritual. I mean, mm -hmm. there is nothing else that makes any sense unless yeah. it is spiritual. So it is spiritual. Hard to believe. You hard can call to it whatever you want. Politics, you can call it, you know, whatever. But it is spiritual. At the bottom, I think that's what it is. So we are actually engaged in a holy war here, ladies and gentlemen, and a lot of people would say that's a crazy comment, but from my perspective, it's actually kind of reassuring. If these people really are Satanists that are trying to put the world for the new world order together and impose it upon us, it's evidence that God is real, right? These people aren't 
they're Satanists unless they really believe or perhaps even know that God is real. This spiritual warfare is encouraging to me because it tells us God is real. We're out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Jerry from South Dakota. Thank you, folks. Good night. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
found that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Critical Show. This is my live show, guys. This is my live show for Wednesday, the first day of June, 2016. It is already June. It is now four minutes past the hour. And yeah, so here we are. It's already June. Summer is back out here in the great Pacific Northwest here for the next four or five days. It's supposed to get up into the 90s, not looking forward to it over the weekend. And it's supposed to cool back off a little bit funny how that works. I mean, it's it, it, according to forecast, it's going to cool off like some 20 degrees uh, by next Monday. But that's okay with me, as I said last week. Uh, the, the warm weather uh, just doesn't suit me that, that well uh, anymore for whatever reason. I don't like it to be too insanely, too intensely hot. So, all right, let's get some administrative things out of the way. I like to say that you are listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network, and I should say that because you are. So what you can do is you can go to the AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com. hope I said those two right. Anyway, uh, each of those links will get you to the same place. And then once you get there, you, you guys should all know what to do. Uh, I have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. You should check it out. I have a blog, and you should check it out. Uh, you should stay tuned to my blog. I'm in the process of writing a, a pretty, uh, I believe, a pretty good article. It's kind of a not it's kind of a continuation to, to one of my blog posts, but you're gonna want to check it out, I believe. Because it's gonna be it's just quite informative and I'm having fun with it actually. So uh just gonna clear up some uh uh some confusion if you will uh as far as it goes to the the, the events that what took place at at the at the time. Uh so just check out my blog. The article's not ready yet. It should be up later uh this evening. 
if I get, you know, if I can stay focused and finish it. That's the problem sometimes because I try and do too many things at one time. So what else? I've got a couple donate links, guys. you got a donate link on my blog, as I always say. Uh, anything would help to keep the lights on. More importantly, the donate link for American Voice Radio Network is crucially important that you click on that link and donate $5 because Frank would appreciate it, and so would I. Well, I do have a lot to cover this afternoon. I always say that, and I never really get to all of it, uh, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, I had mentioned in the chat room last night, uh, if any of you remember, uh, there was some talk about Hillary Clinton, and we all know, and it gets boring sometimes to, to keep talking about Hillary Clinton, but, it is, but at the same time, it's important to keep talking about this witch. Uh, she's just an, she is an amazing person, though. I don't think anyone can deny the fact that she's an amazing, she's just an amazing person. Her, you know, her, the, her criminality, her, her ability to lie, and her ability to slither out of, of, of real trouble is, is truly amazing. I don't, not just me, maybe, you know, maybe I'm over, you know, overstating that or, or whatever, but I just, I think it is, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's pretty amazing. I came across this opinion piece out of the wall street journal and I'm going to share it with you because it's, well, I mean, he's, it's a good, he's a good writer. And, and I, I don't know what's his name here. William McGurn, I believe is how it's pronounced. McGurn, William McGurn. Anyway, he's a, He's a writer, and this is again out of the uh, out of the Wall Street Journal. It's just an opinion piece, and the sub. Well, the headline is uh, uh, William McGurn, Hillary's crooked defense, and there's a sub headline in Clinton world. Anything that isn't found criminal becomes permissible, and isn't that how it is with these with those two with those two uh, wacky fun loving Clintons? Isn't that how it is? Here's how it starts off. I'll just read from the article. It's not that long, but it's pretty good. Starts off, I'm not a crook. In 1973, the sitting president, Richard Nixon, used these words at a news conference to deny allegations he had profited off of his public service. In 2016, an aspiring president, Hillary Clinton, as part of her campaign for the White House, is advancing an aggressive variant of the Nixon defense. It runs like this. Anything that isn't criminally permissible, and therefore none of it, should be disqualifying for the Oval Office. I'll say that again. It runs like this. Anything that isn't criminal, criminal, isn't criminal is permissible. I think I said it wrong the first time, and therefore none of it should be disqualifying for the Oval Office. And it continues. This has become the go-to argument for Team Clinton these days. Thus, Maryland Democrat Representative Elijah Cummings. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are aware of Elijah Cummings. He's a dirtbag. Again, he's from Maryland. He's from Baltimore. He's, a, he's an African-American, and he's a dirtbag. Why he would support Hillary Clinton is beyond me, given the fact that he's a, uh, a, an African-American dirtbag and a racist. That doesn't make any sense to me. Certainly, in light of the, uh, some of the allegations and some of the, the stuff that has come, uh, come out about how the Clintons treat black people, I mean, they've both, both Bill and Hillary, I mean, recently, I mean, as recently as I think last week, four days ago or something like that, uh, Hillary, it was either Hil Hillary or Bill, uh, was shouted down again at some, you know, some event for, for African Americans. So I don't know what, well, you know, Elijah Cummings, you know, you go figure. Anyway, I'll continue. 
Uh, let's see. Thus, Maryland Representative Elijah Cummings, who was quick out of the box last week when the State Department's Inspector General released a damning report finding that then Secretary of State Clinton had defied the department's rules by setting up her private email server. Mr. Cummings, ABC News said, pointed out that the Inspector General's report, quote, does not accuse Clinton of any crime. The implication is that it is that it therefore doesn't matter. Chalk it up as one legacy of the first Clinton presidency, which has prepared the way for the second, because by refusing to resign after being caught out in an affair with an intern, President Clinton successfully lowered the bar for would-be President Hillary. In his fight to remain in office, Mr. Clinton's argument was that because sex between two consenting adults, even between the President of the United States and a subordinate, 27 years his junior, wasn't a crime, it was nobody's business but his family's but his and his family's. In this brave new world, even perjury turned out not to be a crime when Bill Clinton did it, because it was about sex. Today, the no-crime-slash-no-foul defense defies the ca- defines the case for Mrs. Clinton, and she and her defenders have been invoking it for years. Here's a, and the article continues, there, was, there were no criminal violations involved here, and that was a quote. The speaker was Clinton Budget Director Leon Panetta in July 1993, putting forward the White House party line on the firing of seven people in the travel office, in which some had detected Hillary's hand, which has come out to be true, by the way. Three years later, an internal memo would surface confirming Mrs. Clinton as the force behind the sackings, as we all know. Here's another one. As far as even a breadth of criminal activity by either the president and the first lady, it will turn out to be nothing at all. That was a quote. And this time it was White House counsel Lloyd Cutter, or Cutler, I'm sorry, in March 1994, dismissing the inquiry into the smelly Whitewater land deal. The landmark, or the remark came at the same time Mrs. Clinton was explaining to the press that she hadn't been forthcoming about the details because she had been trying to protect her family's privacy. And it goes on. Here's another quote. These motives for helping Webb hobble, you can criticize or not, but they're not criminal. This was in 1998, and now it was the turn of Lanny Davis, the former White House special counsel. Mr. Davis was arguing that the hundreds of thousands in payments Mrs. Clinton, Mrs., that Mrs. Clinton's former law partner had received from Clinton Associates after he resigned from the Justice Department was not hush money to keep him quiet. Well, of course it wasn't. <laughs> Kidding me? Of course it wasn't. They were just compensating him for his hard work. Yeah, not. Here's another one, quote, no evidence of a crime, nothing criminal, nothing illegal, no criminal activity. How frequently these words pop up when the subject of discussion is some action by Mrs. Clinton. Now we have the FBI investigation into her private email server. When the New York Times reported the news last year, the Clinton campaign haggled over the Times' use of, you guessed it, the word criminal. The Times had used uh, to describe the investigation. The Times then issued a correction. It's a, it's, isn't that not amazing to get the, a, a major publication like the New York Times? To Was it the New York Times? Was I right? Yeah. To issue a, a, a correction, that's pretty amazing to me because they generally don't do that. But it's Hillary, don't you know? It continues on. Excuse me? It continues on. In, an, in a perverse way, it all works to Mrs. Clinton's advantage. For so long as criminal conviction as a criminal conviction is presented as the only possible disqualification for running for president, Mrs. Clinton will remain a viable, will remain viable, even if she does not get indicted. And that's kind of how it's looking. And that's, and I'll continue on with the article, but just briefly, I mean, that's really how it's looking. Because it's amazing to me, and that's what I'm saying. I said it in the beginning, that she's an amazing woman. It's just unbelievable. Either that or, or the vast, vast, vast majority of us out here 
I mean, I'm talking both in regular life and in political life, and both in, in scholarly life, you know, educated people's lives and people that live in trailer parks' lives. I mean, we must either all be a bunch of freaking complete morons or, or, or there's something else going on. Because otherwise, otherwise, this, this woman, look, I talked about it early on when I, and by the way, I'm, I don't know the exact date. I'm digressing here for just a moment. Maybe Frank can help me out with this later, maybe during the break. I'm coming up on a year uh, being on the air. I, I, I believe I started in early of June last year, so I just wanted to get that out there. And the reason I say that is because very early on I talked about how, you know, you know very early on, like when I first started my radio show about, I can't believe that this woman is even being considered. It's unbelievable because the amount of criminality and just the corruptness and, and outright murders that this woman is responsible for, some at her own hand, I believe, it just, on, this just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, why not just pick Charles Manson as her running mate? She may as well, or at least if she gets elected, I mean, why not just pick Charles Manson for the head of the Justice Department or something like that? I mean, why not? That just doesn't make any sense to me. It's unbelievable. It's embarrassing, too. And, you know, when the rest of the world sees, uh, the, you know, the clowns that we run for office, and look, they've got their own clowns, okay? You have uh, David Cameron, and I have, I think I saved the article, and maybe I'll go over it, uh, and, and, I, and if, I, if I can find it, I will, not right now, but you have David Cameron, and he came out just a few days ago with the mayor of uh, London, that Muslim, I, I can't, I, at the moment I can't remember his name, I'll just call him Sheikh Mohammed Jabbar. Okay, so you got the mayor of London, Sheikh Mohammed Jabbar, I know that's not his name, but it's close enough, and then you got David Cameron, and they came out, they're joining forces now. They're joining forces, and it's really disgusting. They're joining forces on trying to convince the British people to not leave the European Union. And it really is disgusting. I read about the first, you know, honestly, about the first half of the first paragraph, and I had to stop. I, I just had to stop. It's just unbelievable how, with the, at the lengths that these people will go to keep their ivory tower, their ivory tower. I won't even call them towers anymore because it's, it, this is, you know, when you're talking globalism and, and one world government, there's only one tower, and they see it crumbling, and the, 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 you know, the depths that they're going is just really, it's, it's unbelievable. So anyway, just thought I'd put that out there. Let me continue on with this article because it is quite good. Uh, let me just start here. I'll start over on this, this paragraph. In a perverse way, it all works to Mrs. Clinton advantage. Uh, for so long as criminal, for so long as a criminal conviction is presented as the only possible, yeah, I'm just trying to move forward, blah, blah, to get indicted. Okay, here we go. In addition, the whole obsession with whether the FBI investigation will end up in an indictment helps deflect attention away from other key aspects of the server mess that, them, that themselves uh, make pretty substan uh, substantive, substantive, come on, let's get my tongue unraveled, pretty substantive claims for Mrs. Clinton's unfitness. And is she not completely 100% unfit to be, well, and this is a kind of cliche, but a dog catcher, you know, and see, I'm just a truck driver and I get that. And so that's my frustration. You know, I, I get frustrated because I get it. Right. And I think, geez, you know, I mean, here's a guy, you know, who, you know, barely graduated high school only because it, I thought drinking all the beer in Southwestern Pennsylvania was more important. Okay. Then joined the service and then has been driving truck you know, ever since. I, I'm not formally educated. 
I don't consider myself to, to be, you know, highly intelligent, but I get it, you know, and, and I'm not even that much. I've never really been like, you know, a, a big party kind of politic type of guy. I mean, but I can see somebody for who they are. That's my point. I can see somebody for who, for who they are, for who they are. But how some people can is just, it's, it's unbelievable. Is there some kind of trick going on here? Uh, it was pointed out. I was at last week, I think it was last week on the American Independence Hour that there was a poll taken, and I saw it just yesterday. I saw, a, 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 I don't know, a version of this, how like 50% of the people polled or something like that, even if Hillary gets indicted, still want her to run. Because, I mean, what, what's up with them? What do they, what, what do they, 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 do they I, don't, I don't get that. I can't even speak to that. That makes no sense to me, Okay. And again, okay, fine. If that's how things are, why is Charles Manson still in prison? Let him out. Let him out and, I don't know, let him run for president. You know, this doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> All right, let me, can, let me try and finish this up here before we get into the break here. Uh, I want to make sure, yeah, okay. Even putting aside the question of criminality, we know the following. While in a position of trust, Mrs. Clinton deliberately chose to put American security at risk by setting up her home server. In doing so, she also concealed what should have been public records from the American people. In the years since she's been found out, almost every public statement she has made in defense of her actions has been exposed as false. I'll say a lie. I'll say a lie. Okay, false. Okay, maybe he doesn't, this guy, maybe this writer doesn't want to blurt out too much poison. I, I understand, but you know what? I'll say it. It's been exposed as a lie, a blatant lie by this creep. And she refused to cooperate with investigators, and she has. Why? Because she's Hillary Clinton, don't you know? It goes on. In short, this is a woman who never tells the truth when a lie will serve her purpose equally well. What an extraordinary place this has left her party and her country. Here we are, six months out from the presidential election, and the Democratic nominee is under federal investigation. Oh, look at us, man. Aren't we great? I mean, isn't America great? It's unbelievable. And it just closes out. It used to be, before the Clintons first moved into the White House, that having no criminal conviction was something that kept you out of prison. But the way Mrs. Clinton and her defenders talk, it's almost as though it should make her president. And that was, again, by William McGurn from the Wall Street Journal. And you could probably just Google it and find it. But there you go. That's pretty good, I, I thought. I thought, wow, that's pretty good, you know. But, but there's only, you know, and I, I use these numbers somewhat flippantly, there's only like 17 of us, I guess, that get it. Nobody's asking her the tough questions. I mean, that's why I didn't watch any of the, debate, the, the debates. Now, perhaps she's going to get the nomina, nominee, nomination. It's, just, it's, it's done. I believe that there was always a deal in place, or I've believed that there was always a deal in place from day one. And when I say day one, I say day one after our current, current sitting president, the dubious Barack Hussein Obama, the half of a black guy, the Muslim, the guy that hates America, who's disgusting, by the way. You know, uh, it was Memorial Day here, what, on Monday? I work. I mean, it's really just another day to me, because most people don't even know what Memorial Day is all about. Most people just don't. You know, to them it's about sloshing down the beer and throwing some hot dogs on the grill and going camping somewhere. They have no idea what it's about, and they couldn't care less. And on one hand, uh, I, on one hand, I, on one hand, I guess I'm okay with that. On one hand, but on the other hand, 
Uh, I guess I'm not. And I don't know which one is heavier. Uh, but but Obama was at uh, somewhere, and I think it was Arlington National Cemetery, and I was catching a little news clip on my way to work, and then he, he did his little speech. And I, I, was, I, I was, well, I was slightly enraged, you know, about his speech. Uh, he has no business. You know, if I were a veteran, uh, I, it, I wouldn't accept a medal from him. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't. Not, certainly him. I, I don't want to overstate it. I, I wouldn't accept a medal from him. Are you kidding me? The guy hates America. He's a piece of garbage. And he, you know, and he's just a, he's just a, a guy in a suit, man. He, he didn't mean, to me, he didn't mean, and, and, and to me, it was offensive you know, it's, it is an offense to have him give some kind of a speech on Memorial Day talking about the greatness of America. And he had to weave in, at the end, he had to weave in a little bit of uh, social engineering and a little bit of the, 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 the uh, his, you know, what he's been doing, how he's been, you know, um, equalizing uh, the services and how men and women, and, and I'm going to get into that actually here after the break, you know, because we're all the same now, and, and certainly in the military, you know, they've been making it a point, and they've been trying to make it a, a point, and, and not just a point, but policy for years, for years. And they're having more of a, uh, well, because they can control it uh, better, I guess is why, just that must be why, because they're having more success in the military trying to equalize us than they are in regular everyday life, which makes sense because they can control, they, they do control it so tightly. And so what is the word I'm looking for? You know, it's, it's so exclusively that they control the military, obviously, and how they're ruining the military. But he had to add that in, which, you know, that type of talk has no place in a speech given on Memorial Day at Arlington National Cemetery. It just has no place. But see, he doesn't have any shame either. He doesn't have any shame. And people that support him don't have any shame either. They just don't. Have, they don't have any shame. These are disgusting people that don't belong in this country. I even I don't even know why I talk about it that much anymore because it really is over. This country is is too big, and, and and it's unsustainable at the current rate that it's going. And and every way, shape, matter, or form, and there the day's coming. You know, I've been asking for the last couple of uh, weeks here on my show. Have you bought that rifle yet? I mean, have you really bought that rifle yet? You know, because you need to. I mean, I'm going to ask the question again next week. Okay, the clock is ticking. You need to go out and buy that rifle. Because, you know, now, this might sound alarmist, but because pretty soon you're not going to be able to go out and buy that rifle. There was another, how many shootings has there been just since last week? Scores and scores and scores of them, scores of them. And I was talking with my neighbor. Actually, I was talking with his his son, who was a retired Marine lieutenant colonel. He actually lives in Northern California, but... He's been up here, you know, because his father's passing, who's a retired full bird colonel from the Air Force. And, you know, he's like-minded, and we talk when he comes up here, and he's a, he's a good guy. He's, he's a good guy. And, and he said, we, we got the, you know, it just it came around to, to, to guns or gun control or something like that. And he said it first. <laughs> Excuse me. He said, he said, don't you think it's weird, Jay? Or, you know, you got all these shootings and you know, in college campuses and, and you know, and, and you know, at, at workplaces and, and different things. These are, and I said, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, that that's kind of weird. I mean, and it is. My point is, is that, you know, I don't believe that, the, the, that they're all 
you know, just happenstance. Okay, I believe that there's a little bit of uh, orchestration uh, going on there. And so I think it's safe to say that pretty soon you're not going to be able to buy that rifle, okay? And I really want you guys, you know, to have the means to protect yourself. And, you know, hey, people say, why a rifle? You know, why a gun? Well, I say, I say it beats a sharp stick. I think I told the story about, you know, when I go backpacking, I carry both a handgun and a rifle with me. I just do. And I, I generally don't get asked any questions. I generally don't even get any comments. But one day I came across an old couple and the guy was talking to me and he didn't mention it, but his wife, and these were older, these people like in their seventies. And she just kind of, I noticed her noticing and I didn't ask, but she said, mind if I ask you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why are you carrying that rifle? I, and then, you know what I told her? I said, because it beats a whistle because that's kind of the, how they want, you know, the, the backpackers, the, you know, the, the, the lefty loon type backpackers, you know, they, they don't want people carrying it, something to defend themselves out in the backwoods, you know, for bear or something like that. You know, they all don't shoot the bears and because they're endangered and blah, blah, blah. You know, bring a whistle. And that's really what they say. You know, bring a whistle. That'll, that'll stop them. And you know what? Uh, what do you guys think? I'm like, uh, hmm, okay, a rifle or a whistle when it comes to a bear? I don't know because I'm just kind of, you know, I'm kind of wacky that way. I, I think I'll take the rifle because I do. I think a rifle kind of beats a whistle, don't you? Anyway, getting close to break. Uh, <clears throat> so I want you guys to be able to have the means to defend yourself. And so, you know, I don't, when I say, you know, go buy that rifle or buy that rifle, you know, that's not really, I'm not really saying that in jest or flippantly. I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say that. I think it's important that you go out there and you get that rifle in a case of ammunition or a box at least. And then buy a box of ammunition at least a week or at least twice a month for that particular rifle. It's just, it's easy to do. You got to set a little bit of money aside. I know, I understand. But in the end, you're going to be better off. And, and at the end of the day, if, it's, if everything works out, then the worst, the worst that, that can go wrong or whatever is that you have a rifle and some ammunition. Well, I hear the music. Enjoy, enjoy it. See you after the break. Bye. 
function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your 
Organic Sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. to make a buck and things didn't work out I was down on my luck got tired of roaming and bumming around so I started thumbing back east toward my hometown made a lot of miles the first two days and I figured I'd be home in a week if my luck held out this way but the third night I got stranded way out of town at a cold lonely crossroads rain was pouring down I was hungry and freezing, done caught a chill, when the lights of a big semi topped the hill. Lord, I sure was glad to hear them air brakes come on. And I climbed in that cab where I knew it'd be warm. At the wheel sat a big man. He weighed about 210. He stuck out his hand and said with a grin, Big Joe's the name, I told him mine. And he said the name of my rig is Phantom 309. Well, I asked him why he called his rig such a name. He said, son, this old Mac can put them all to shame. There ain't a driver or a rig running any line that's seen nothing but taillights from Phantom 309. Well, we rode and talked the better part of the night the lights of a truck stop came in sight. He said, I'm sorry, son, this is as far as you go, because I got to make a turn just on up the road. Well, he tossed me a dime as he pulled her in low and said, have yourself a hot cup on old Big Joe. When Joe and his rig roared out in the night, in nothing flat, he was clean out of sight. Well, I went inside and ordered me a cup. The waiter, Big Joe, was setting me up. Oh, you could have heard a pin drop. It got deathly quiet. And the waiter's face turned kind of white. Well, did I say something wrong? I said with a halfway grin. He said, no, this happens every now and then. Every driver in here knows Big Joe. But son, let me tell you what happened about ten years ago. At the crossroads tonight where you flagged him down, there was a busload of kids coming from town. And they were right in the middle when Big Joe topped the hill. It could have been slaughter, but he turned his wheels. Well, Joe lost control, went into a skid, and gave his life to save that bunch of kids. And there at that crossroads was the end of a line. Big Joe and Phantom 309. But every now and then, some hiker will come by, and like you, Big Joe will give him a ride. Here, have another cup, and forget about the dime. Keep it as a souvenir from Big Joe and Phantom 309. All right, folks, welcome back to the second part, the second half of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. 
You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. It is now 38 minutes past the hour. I just want to continue on because I have a lot to cover. Hope you enjoy the music today. It's got a bit of a theme to it. I won't mention what that theme is. I'll just let you guys figure it out for yourself. That was Jimmy Martin, first song, and the second song was Red Sovine. Uh, more famously known for the truck-driving kind of themed song, Teddy Bear. Yeah. I thought I'd play a different one from him, though. That was Phantom 309. Okay, I promised I would get to, to this, this article that I had uh, uh, mentioned about women in the military. And let's just keep something in mind. Let me see how I want to phrase this. You know, the scheme or whatever you want to call it to make, to make us all the same, okay, is a key. I believe it's an, it's an, an essential ingredient. It is an essential ingredient in globalization. Or for globalization to, to work, or, okay, to, to be able to sustain itself, I believe. Uh, because, and because globalization won't work unless we're all the same. And that's, that's just a fact. You know, there can be no sovereignty. There, there can be no individuality. We all have to be the same. You know, because you know, obviously you can control people better that way when, when, when we're all the same. Uh, but a funny thing happens along the way. And that funny thing is, is that we're not all the same. And it doesn't matter what they do. It, it doesn't matter what they do. Uh, the, the, this, you know, this scheme, and that's what it is to, to make us all the same, is going to fail. And unfortunately, uh, you know, they are having some success with it in the military because they're able to, again, they control the military. So they can really, you know, maneuver these pieces exactly where they want them. And, you know, they can and they are forcing it on, you know, on military personnel, unfortunately. And some people, uh, some people, I uh, think that's a good thing because they're confused and, you know, ignorant and so forth. I would even go further uh, because they're morons. Here's the headline. This is from CNN. Women in military finally getting respect. <laughs> it's a long article, and I'm not going to read all of it. This Memorial Day is the first in which the ban on women in ground combat is history. Last month, West Point celebrated 40 years of women in the ranks, and the first woman to graduate from Army Ranger School last year have now become part of the old guard. Last summer, Captain Kristen Grist and Lieutenant Shane, or Shay Harver, now a captain, shifted the conversation from if women could meet the standard to now that women have met the standard in the process. They became unintended celebrities among the young women who have sought to follow in their footsteps. At a woman in uniform event I attended last fall at the Washington Convention Center, Army soldiers swarmed Grist and Harbor to snap selfies they would swiftly share with friends and family on social media. You see, because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about right there. This, this ridiculous pastime about, I don't even know how to describe it because it's just really, it's really ridiculous to me, this obsession with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and, and Reddit, or read it, or whatever it is, and, and all these social media platforms, to me, are ridiculous. I'm sorry, they just are. I'm not going to split hairs, and I'm not, uh, they're, just, they're just ridiculous, man. Okay, okay, so let me just continue on. Adwin, blah, 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 okay, they would eventually, okay, right, smiling and hugging the new Ranger School grads, Soldiers told them how much those achievements meant to them personally. I'm going to comment on this uh, Ranger School uh, 
you know, women thing there in a second. While the two West Point graduates would not grant national media interviews and reiterated that they had not sought the spotlight, only a spot in ranger school, they quickly and keenly came to understand their new position as role models for the next generation. Yeah, oh, okay, let's see here. While the two West Point graduates would not grant national media interviews, I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, Perhaps because they were ordered to do so. Perhaps because they were ordered to do so, because they might slip up asking, you know, they might have been asked a tough question, like I would ask them. But see, no, I believe that that wasn't, that wasn't out of their own, like, uh, self, you know, uh, what is it, you know, what is the word I'm looking for here, you know, censorization of themselves. Oh, no, I would, no, 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 I don't want to make it about me. Yeah, bull. Okay, bull. They were ordered not to uh, have any media, national media interviews. Okay, that's just, and that's in my opinion, but it's a strong one. And it continues, and keenly came to understand their new position as role models. That's exactly, yeah, that's because that's what they want. That's what the globalists want. That's what our, that's what our, our dubious president, that's what they want. That's what these people that want to make us all the same want. They want them to be role models. They want to put them out there at, at all costs, and, 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 and no matter the circumstances. I'll continue on. Stories of today's warriors became tomorrow's history. They become part of our national lore. And until now, that national lore has largely left women out. Well, you know, aren't we better off? Aren't we better off not having women in the military, at least in combat roles? Doesn't that make us, wouldn't that make us a better society that we didn't send our wives and our daughters out there to get their freaking heads blown off? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing, and it is, it's going to happen. They're going to get captured. At some point, one of these women is going to get captured, and she's going to be raped, because that's what happens. Then what are they going to say? Well, they're not going to be able to say while they're being raped by a bunch of Muslim savages, that, hey, you can't do that to me. I'm a woman. You can't treat me that way. <laughs> Ain't going to work, Missy, and you're going to soon find that out. Unfortunately, and it's going to be your own fault because you drank the Kool-Aid. Okay, it continues on. And I'm just going to continue on a little further because there's a point I'm going to make here. Uh, Here's the sub-headline, silent bystanders in our stories. Women in uniform have often been silent bystanders uh, bystanders in our stories of battle in the post-9-11 era, even as they have taken on an even greater share of of the fight. By seeing only a sliver of the story, we have overlooked a growing number of warriors sacrificing for their country and for one another. The combat ban didn't mean women weren't out there on the front line serving America, receiving Purple Hearts, Silver Stars, and Bronze Star medals with the V device signifying valor. It just made them harder to see, and that made them harder to remember and to memorialize and, more, most critically, to aspire to be. Yeah, because that's what they need. But that is changing. Yeah, that is changing. Now soldiers such as Christ and Harbor and Major Lisa Jaster. Now, here's... Now, check this out. Okay, now I'm going to speak to this after I read it. So let me start over. But that is changing. Now soldiers such as Grice and Harver and Major Lisa Jaster, the 37-year-old West Pointer who graduated from Ranger School last October, are acting as if, are acting as the, if you can see it, you can be it examples of, uh, for women who will now go on to fill roles, which until now have been off limits. In April, Grice became America's first infantry officer. Well, obviously, I'm not in favor of any of this, okay? And, and, you know, for good reason. I guess I'm just old school. But I want to get back to Lisa Jaster, Major Lisa Jaster. 
the 37-year-old West Pointer who graduated from Ranger School. Look, uh, I went to Ranger School, okay, so I can speak to it. And I served in a Ranger battalion, so I can speak to it. Uh, there weren't any 37-year-olds in Ranger School. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's a bit too old. Uh, you, you, would have to be a, you would have to be Wonder Woman. Okay, you just would. A 37-year-old man would have to be an Olympic athlete at 37 years old to complete Ranger School. It is that grueling. And for them to come out and say, and I heard, and this was on Memorial Day because of the station I listened to, the traffic reports, they were having all these little um, Memorial Day and honoring our fallen heroes and blah, 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 blah. I love it. The people that want to honor our fallen heroes are people that never served themselves and have no business commenting on it. That's just how I feel. And it offends me. But anyway, uh, Dave Ross was interviewing a, uh, a general and he, uh, he was talking about, and, and Dave Ross asked a couple of tough questions. He's there. So you're telling me, and I don't have the full text of the, the interview. I am just paraphrasing here. He asked this major or uh, major general, uh, you know, that about the standards, have the standards been lowered? And this, this guy, of course, you know, he, he has to come out obviously and say, no, no, no. And he was adamant. No, no, the standards have not been lowered. In fact, uh, I, we believe that they're, you know, they're not only the same, but you know, over the years, the, 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 the standards have actually gone up and blah, blah, blah. And that's just a lie. That's, that's just a lie. We all know that's just a lie. Okay. We just do. And I, do I have to, do I have to explain that to people? You know, that there are differences, but you, that we're just different, that men and women are different, and that we can't do the same things. I mean, so what? Uh, so next thing you know, men are going to be able to have babies. Well, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger had a movie. Remember that one? I didn't see it. it, it, it to me, it was kind of ridiculous at the time where he, like, they impregnated him, and he was, like, going to have a baby or something like that. Uh, is that what's going to start happening now? Is that? I mean, if we're all really going to be the same, uh what are, are, are the next thing, you know, we're going to have the men are going to have that ability. Well, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. And so it's, it's really, I mean, you know, women, you guys, you, Hey, you girls out there, you really need to kind of look at this in, at face value and kind of, you, know, you really need to look at this man. Uh, they're not coming after you uh, to put you out there, you know, and hey, look, man, we're going to, yeah, it's going to be good for you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be, everybody's going to be the same and, and it's just great. And yeah, you're going to get recognition and blah, blah, this, that, and everything. No, man, they just got some boots to fill. Okay. They're going to get you in there. They're going to, and what they did to Ranger school to me, you know, I'm willing actually to, to, to petition the, the department of the army to, to get the, my Ranger tab taken off of my DD 214 because it's, they, they basically, they, that's how much they've diminished it in my eyes. Honestly, that's how much they diminished that. That, that award. And it is, it's just an award. That's all it is. That's all the Ranger tab is, is an award. Ranger school is what it is. It's a school. It's, it's not a Ranger unit. It is, it is a school. It's 58 days long. At one point they had increased it to 72 days. I believe it was, but they added, I forget what they did. They added some time either to one of the, to one or to one or two of the, the, the sections, uh, or they added another one. I don't remember because I was a 58-day ranger. Uh, buddy of mine was, a, I think he was the 72-day ranger. And but there was really no need for it. I'm just digressing somewhat. But I don't even know where I was going with that. But uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, they, they, it's been diminished in my eyes. 
checking the clock. I'll continue on just briefly. Uh, she will not be alone, or she will not be alone for long. 22 young women are about to be commissioned as infantry and army officers as they graduate from West Point Officers Candidate School NROTC program. They face rigorous tests, but if they meet the challenge and pass their remaining courses, they will be in line to become platoon leaders in infantry and armor battalions that have seen a great deal of combat and casualties during this past decade of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, I mean, we should be talking about that instead of this other thing, don't you think? This past decade of war. I mean, that's just so casually rolls off their lips now, you know. It, you know, this, all these conflicts just so casually, you know, are talked about now, you know. It's unbelievable. I mean, there's, there's a conflict every day somewhere that, that the United States government is, is, is conjuring up somewhere, and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we should probably be talking about that, don't you think? Instead of, don't you think it would be better to be talking about how we're getting out of these conflicts so we don't have to send anyone to war anymore? Instead of, hey, man, look now, look what we're doing now over here. I mean, I, mean, I know, moms and dads, it's bad enough that your son got his head blown off, Right. And the, the grief officer arrived at your door and broke the news to you that your oldest or second born son was killed for no reason at all on some in some far off godforsaken third world cesspool for no reason at all. Nobody has a nobody has a reason for why he died, for why he got his head blown off. But hey, we're just here to tell you we're sorry. We're sorry, and here's a plane ticket to Dover. Your son's uh, remains, what's left of them, are on a, uh, are on a tra- troop transport plane to Dover. And then, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, here, you know, there you go. Sorry about that. On to the next door. Knock, knock, knock. Yes, and they see him coming. Don't you think it would, don't you think it would be better to have less of that? But no, see, now we're going to have more of that. So now instead of the grief officer going to the door and the guy answering the door, the dad answering the door, it's not going to be his son. It's going to be his daughter. How's that going to make you feel, dad? How's that going to make you feel, Mom? Are you going to be proud of your daughter then? Or are you going to grieve and miss her? Don't you think this is ridiculous what they're doing? Doesn't anybody else see it? Why can't people wake up and see things for what they are? I don't want men going off to war anymore. I don't believe any more of us should have to die for globalism and for a government that doesn't care about them, that obviously doesn't care about them. They indiscriminately send men off to go get their heads blown off. And now, hey, man, isn't it great? Now the women can get that, too. That's just great. That's just great. Anyway, let's see here. He continues on. The military, influenced by the performance of women on the front line since 9-11 and by these first Ranger School graduates, hoax, hoax, scheme, is on the verge of assigning women to command young men outside the wire in infantry and armor platoons with the same risk and responsibility, uh, responsibilities as male officers. What do they think? Well, I know what they think. <laughs> Doesn't anybody else see this? I got I to keep stopping and, and, and trying to pound this through people's minds. They're using us as pawns. Girls, they're using you as pawns. How's that make you feel? It shouldn't make you feel like you're the same or that they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart, that they really think that you're the same as men. Are you out of your mind? Are you that delusional? Are you that selfish that you have to have people look at you like that and say, I don't, I'm tired of just being a woman and people just, I'm just tired of it. I'm the same. I can do what men can too. 
Don't you see what they're doing? They're obliging you. They're saying, oh, really, Susie? <laughs> That's great. Boom, there you go. There's your ranger tab. Here's a rifle. Now there you go. And you're just going to what? Raw, raw, raw? You're going to step outside that wire, and you're going to step on a, a landmine. That's what's going to happen, and you're going to get blown up. Now what? Now what? That's just great. You just What did you prove? What does it prove? It proves nothing. It proves nothing. It does not prove that we're the same. It just proves that you can get your pretty little head blown off, too. And you know what? That might be the best thing that happens to you outside the wire there, Susie. That might be the best thing that happens to you. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is that you are gang-raped for about a year and a half. And I mean gang-raped, every orifice. You hear me? Beaten up, gang-raped, brought back to life, even. And you'll be on the verge of death, and they'll give you IVs to keep you alive so they can rape you some more. And you think I'm exaggerating? Do you think I'm exaggerating? Look what they do to the men. Look what they do. What? You think just because you're a woman, they're not going to do that? They wouldn't dare do that. I'm a woman. I'm an American woman. They wouldn't dare do that. They would not dare put their hands on me. They would face the wrath and the consequences of our federal government and our Justice Department. And what's your name? What, what's your name? Uh, what's, what's your name? Come on, guys. Ah, the, the, the Department of Justice. Uh, what, what the heck? What's her name? Ha. I'm looking in the chat room. Somebody help me out. Who's our, who is the Attorney General? Loretta Lynch. <laughs> you think Loretta Lynch? Oh, uh, today, uh, Susie Johnson from the first uh, of the 7012th uh, Infantry Armor uh, Squad was uh, really raped and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I said, we're going after them. We're contacting their embassy, and we want the, some people brought to justice because this. This just will not stand. We don't treat our women this way in America. And, and by God, uh, we're like, really? You think that's going to happen there, Susie Johnson? No, it's not. It's not. Uh, they'll forget about you. Uh, you'll just be uh, an ink stain somewhere. That's all, you, that's all you'll be. Oh, and, and you know what? And, and maybe, just maybe, I don't know if this is what the, you're looking for or what these women are looking for, but just maybe. Won't it be great if just maybe you're the first woman that gets her head freaking blown off in combat and they can put a statue up in, in the park of the hometown where you grew up as some kind of a hero? And so people can aspire. Oh, and the little girls can all come by. And go, oh, man, I want to be just like her, man. Isn't that just great? No. Hey, dads, you better hold your daughters close to your heart. OK, like I do mine. OK, my daughters are better than that. I think better of my daughters. and I think better of my wife than that. And I have a strong wife, and I have strong daughters. And, and you know what? No, no. Why would, you, why would we do this? Why would we let our federal government abuse our wives and our daughters like this? Why, would we, why, why? why are we letting this happen? Why? i gotta ask, I got to beg the question. What, what are we doing here? What's going on here, men? Well, you know, because there's really not a lot of men left out there anymore. And there really isn't. They're, they're in their mommy's basement playing video games. There are no real, there's, there's very few real men out there anymore, because it, if, obviously, because if there were, this kind of stuff wouldn't happen. Call to action, guys. You need to call your representative and put a stop. You need to put a stop to this insanity. Do you think, hey, do you think, do you think Barack Hussein Obama would let one of his little creepy daughters join the military and be in some frontline infantry unit? Do you really think that? Of course not. Of course not. They are so well insulated from the rest of the world, that would never happen. But do you think Charles, the scumbag Schumer, would let one of his daughters, do you think it'd be, he'd be okay with his wife 
being in some frontline infantry unit? Of course not. Of course not. Just us. Just us. We're losing this thing, guys. You know, this is a big deal. This is a, it's a big deal, but it just, it, you know, it's looked at in the wrong way because people in their feeble brains, they can't wrap their minds around what's really going on here. And what's really going on here is they're abusing our women. They're abusing our wives and our daughters. They're abusing the women of our society, men. And we should do something about that because you know what? The women of our society, of our nation, do not belong to our federal government. God gave us women. God created man, then he created woman. There are women. There are women, and we need to protect them. And we haven't been protecting them. We've been letting them get abused. I hear the music. Uh, hope you guys can stay tuned uh, for the second hour. See you after the break.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different with all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added. Their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company, but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Baby, goodbye. I could have a lot of women. 
women, but I'm not a lack of some other guy. I could find one to hold me tight, but I could never make believe it's all right. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. ICC is a chicken on down the line. And that smoke's up blowing black as coal My hometown's a-coming in sight If you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Folks, welcome back to the second hour of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. I'm just kind of chuckling there. Frank and I were talking during the break. It is now six minutes past the three o'clock hour, fellas. It is the 1st of June, 2016. This is my live show, again, for Wednesday. I just want to reiterate some of the administrative stuff because this is the top of the second hour. Uh, You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. Please visit. AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com, which is the website for this network. When you get there, you can do a lot of things. Get into the chat room. You guys should all know how to do that. There's all kinds of streams. And, and, man, check out the archives, guys. There's a lot of good stuff on the archives. I say it a lot. I do utilize the archives a lot. Uh, I like a lot of the shows on this network, and uh, and I'm sure you guys do as well. I have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. You should check it out. I have a blog, and you should check it out. I'm currently uh, working on uh, an article that I think you guys will enjoy. It's, and as I said at the beginning of the first hour, it's somewhat of a continuation or something like that. It, 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 it's, you know, uh, to an article that's already posted. And I've posted a couple other things on there even just since we last spoke. And, you know, I kind of recently have been getting away from the, the more serious stuff and talking a little bit about sports and about music. And I kind of add my own little flavor to that. And, and as I've said before, and I'll, I'll keep saying, I'm having fun with it. I really am having fun with it. It's, it's a great way to express yourself and to get the message out there. Uh, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, and I didn't catch the guy's name. I had a fella call me and, you know, I was asleep or whatever. Uh, but he left a voicemail and it's a guy's from Alaska and he, he said it, he just recently found America Voice Radio Network. He's enjoying the network. So, Frank, there's a, a listener from Alaska. He said he checked out my, my website and listened to one of my archive shows, uh, and he just wanted to say thanks. He just wanted to thank me and tell me, keep up the good work. And I'm like, wow, I'm, that's, that's encouraging. It really is. Uh, so whoever you are, if you're listening from Alaska, I appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate it. If there's anything I can do for you, uh, uh, just, you know, call me and again, and I'll hopefully answer the phone. Uh, I do take requests like music requests and things like that. Or if you want to send me a news article, you know, you can contact me through my website if you want me to go over some things. But uh, anyway, I want to just uh, kind of continue on. I have a lot to cover. 
Uh, I'm just going to move away from what we uh, you know, talked about there at the close of the first hour. I hope I got my point across uh, because it's important. Uh, I brought up something else, though, earlier in the show about how David Cameron and Sadiq, I think that's how he pronounces his first name, Khan. He's the uh, new mayor of London. Foolishly, they elected a Muslim as their mayor. Makes no sense to me. Uh, but anyway, David Cameron, who's a dirtbag? I think everyone knows he's a dirtbag. And, and this is uh, USA Today. David Cameron and Sadiq Khan joined forces on BRITX. BRITX is the acronym, if you will, for the British exit from the European Union. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Hold on. Let me go back. All right. There I go clicking things, as Frank would say, and my wife. Let me just go back now. I clicked the wrong thing and got away from my article. So while it's loading back up, come on. Here it is. All right. And again, this is from the USA Today. And I'll just start off. British Prime Minister David Cameron and new London Mayor Sadiq Khan appeared to have appeared to have put aside their animosity over the long weekend by campaigning together for Britain to remain in the European Union. It comes after Cameron and Khan, a member of the opposition Labour Party, had shared a platform with people with extremist views during the mayoral election campaign. Cameron eventually apologized to, to a Muslim cleric he had accused of supporting the Islamic State extremist group and linked to Khan. The cleric, whatever his name is, it's some Muslim name, I'll just call him Sheikh Mohammed Jabbar, said he was totally opposed to the terror group. And, you know, we, it's, you can believe that, can't you? I mean, you can believe that. That's what they want you to believe. That's what these Muslims want you to believe. That's what these so-called mainstream Muslims want you to believe. Hey, we don't, we're not, yeah, no. Right, right. And we're supposed to believe that? Good luck with that. Hey, man, uh, I honestly don't care what happens over there. I do, however, think it's a shame. London was a great European city at one time. It no longer is. London has fallen. I wrote an article about it. You should check it out. You know, it's just like Rome. You know, Rome is falling. Well, London has fallen. Uh, let me continue on here. Cameron eventually yeah, said that Khan, the son of a bus driver from Pakistan, she's <laughs> was elected London's first Muslim mayor in early May. He accused Germ uh, Cameron's Conservative Party of running a nasty dog whistling campaign. Speaking at the launch of the camp of a campaign uh, bus and pledge card in London on Monday for the Britain for the Britain Stronger in Europe campaign group, Cameron congratulated Khan on his victory. In one generation, someone who's a proud Muslim, a proud Brit, and a proud Londoner can become mayor of the greatest city on earth. Used to be greatest city on earth. That says something about our country. Cameron said, yeah, it, it does uh, uh, there, London, uh, England, Britain. It does say something about your country. It shows how, how, how uh, moronic you guys are that you don't see what's happening, I, I guess. Okay, let me continue on. There are still uh, glass ceilings we, have to go, uh, we still have got to smash. There's still discrimination we have to fight. I'm proud to be here with the mayor of London, with the labor mayor of London on this vital issue. And, and, and I'm trying to get to the, the crux of the argument here, or the, the article, and it really doesn't, uh, let me see here, let me see here, because this is a bit, and there's really not much in here about how they're collaborating on the BRITX thing. <clears throat> Let's see, that's the, the screen content, but what's really important, closely together, no, the referendum, there's really nothing in here, it's just kind of a, I didn't read the whole article when I saw the headline, but the headline really speaks for itself how these two, and I'm going to get to something else, you know, about globalism. But so 
I, you know, remember I said in the first hour how they'll, they'll you know, the, the depths to which they will go to, to, you know, maintain their globalization scheme uh, has no end. It has no depth. They'll, they'll do anything. Let me, all right, where did I put it? Here it is. <clears throat> I found this interesting, and this is just continuing on with globalization, guys. And this is from uh, Fortune magazine. And somebody <laughs> sent this to me. This is from May 20th, but it's, it's relevant. The headline is GE, that's General Electric, M- ML, Jeffrey ML, think how you pronounce his name, signals end to seven decades of globalization. I'll just read a bit from the article. The subheadline is GE's CEO attacks protectionism and signals a big change in the company's globalization strategy, they say. I'll change strategy to scheme. Okay, let's just say that, globalization scheme. General Electric CEO Jeffrey ML in a speech that may signal an end to seven decades of globalization, said his company is making a bold pivot in strategy as a response to rising protectionist political pressures. ML told graduates at New York's at New York University's Stern School of Business on Friday that they are entering a volatile global economy. And when he says Friday, let's just get the date right. I think that's important. This was on the 20th of May, this article, which, let's see, the 20th, well, that is a Friday, so it must have been this same day. I just want to get the dates right. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see, on Friday, that they are, uh, quote, entering a volatile global economy, the most uncertain I've ever seen, unquote. In particular, he said, again, quote, globalization is being attacked as never before. Hmm. Well, that's, hmm. Well, there you go. I mean, Jeffrey Emel, that was a direct quote. That's a direct quote from him at a business school. And I'll say it again. He said it. Globalization is being attacked as never before. I think that's interesting that at least they're, they're acknowledging the fact that globalization, the, the scheme, is in progress and ongoing, or at least they're trying to implement it, or that at least it exists at all. Right? I mean, I think he just confirmed it. He continued, it goes on with the quote, in the face of, protection, of a protectionist global environment, companies must navigate the world on their own, he said. He continued to say, we must level the playing field. Without government engagement, this requires dramatic transformation. Yeah, it does. As a response, he said, GE will localize. That was a quote from him. Now, uh, let's see if he explains what that is. He continues on with, the, with his quote. In the future, sustainable growth will require a local capability inside a global footprint. GE has 420 factories around the world giving us tremendous flexibility, ML said. We used to have one site to make locomotives. Now we have multiple global sites that give us market access. A localization strategy can be shut down by protectionist policies. While GE will remain a strong American manufacturer and produce for the U.S. in the U.S., he added, our exports may decline. Let's see, for more about Jeff ML, watch, and there's a bit of a, that thing there that goes on. ML didn't mention either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton by name in his speech, but he did refer to the raucous presidential election, where every candidate is, candidate is a protectionist. Globalization is being blamed for unemployment and wage inequality. There is a general sense that this must be somebody else's fault, and improving competitiveness is not an option. Whatever that means. Of course, globalization is, is the key to the demise. Okay, and, and here we go. He dismissed political criticisms aimed at his and other global companies, saying, quote, I don't listen to people who have no global context, never been in a factory, or don't want to compete. Has he ever been in a factory? Well, yeah, I mean, he owns them. 
you know, but has he really ever been at a factory? He's not a working man. He you know, this, is, this is, this is, I mean, do we need to like do globalization one, two, three or the basics of globalization and how bad things are? You know, we need to like get down to the basics of it. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. I think the people, I think people are kind of figuring it out there, Jeffrey. I think they're figuring it out and, you know, and I get it. You don't like it. I mean, you guys don't like it. And then you want to kick and scream and you want to blame people. You want to call people names. Okay, now you, I don't, I haven't seen you come out and do that just yet. But, well, yeah, you have protectionists. Because, you know, protectionist guys has become a pejorative. Well, it's probably always been that way, but more so now than ever before. Because globalism, globalism and national sovereignty is, is being uh, touted, if you will. Okay, and so people are calling people names. Well, world leaders are calling people names. Our own president. Uh, well, but it would, you know, I mean, that doesn't, that shouldn't surprise anyone, at least in this country, that our own president, and he is our president, okay, has, 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 has you know, pejoratively referred to the American people as like protectionists and extremists. And he's even gone as far as to call people, you know, bigots and racists and, and so forth and all that because, you know, we want our borders, uh, uh, you know, enforced. You know, we want uh, our national sovereignty, you know, protected above all others. You know, oh, that's that nationalist, the Nazi, Nazi Hitler. But see, what's what's good, I believe, is that is that it's not working anymore. You know, people are waking up. You know, if nothing else, this election cycle, if nothing else, this election cycle, you know, because, you know, once you ring the bell, you can't unring the bell. And the bell has been rung. And and bravo, by the way, the people are kind of starting to figure it out. You know, the people are really starting to kind of figure things out here. Now, we do. We have a long, long, long way to go. So I'll ask again. I'll ask again, and I'll ask at the end of the show, have you bought that rifle yet? Because, you know, we're not out of the woods by any stretch. I want to finish up with this article, though. Da, 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 da. The full text of the speech is reprinted below. Well, I'm not going to read from his speech. Uh, the, the headline of his speech is, <coughs> excuse me, The World I See. And... You know, I can, uh, I'll try and post this into the chat room uh, for you guys. You know, if you guys want it, just let me know if you want it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get it, because I'm reading it from another device, uh, and I will uh, fire up my email and post it for you in the chat room if you would like to see this. Again, it's from Fortune, and I believe just the first part of it was very good. So just, you know, kind of continuing on, you know, w- with, with that globalization theme and, and you know, really what the whole show has been about. You know, I basically took up the first part of the show with how they're trying to make us all the same, you know, as far as having women in the military and so forth. And so I did, I've been wanting to share that article with you there for the last, uh, well, since I got it, I just haven't uh, found the time to do so. So, again, I did have a lot of things I wanted to talk about this afternoon. Uh, there was something I wanted to bring to your attention, though, if I can find it. Mm. If I can find it, it was just something quick. And for the life of me, I can't find it. But anyway, I wanted to talk about now something that I brought up last week. You know how I talked about last week? I think it was on my Wednesday show how there was a shooting in New York, right? At some goofy hip hop concert where you had a bunch of thug rappers, you know, and and then, oops, there's a gunfight, you know, like, man, who didn't see that coming? Who, Who didn't see that coming? 
where you get a bunch of freaking gang, rival gang members together, you know. But what struck me was the fact that there was like a gunfight, like a gun battle. There was an actual, it was described, it was on multiple occasions in many articles described as that, that there was an outright freaking gun battle. And I thought, well, how does that happen in New York City? You know, because they have such strict gun control. Well, uh, let's see here. Let me, uh, where did it go now? Uh, oh, because I'm going to move on because I had mentioned uh, Chicago, right? So let me see here. Here it is. Here it is. <coughs> let it, this is from the AP. So I don't understand what the hell with the with the with the with the gun control that they have in in New York City. I mean, it's supposed to keep people safe. You know, you can't even probably own a picture of a gun in New York City. Well, the same thing can be said for Chicago. Chicago might even have stricter. They may even have stricter gun control measures in in place in Chicago. But hey, man, from the AP, six killed, dozens wounded over bloody Chicago holiday weekend. That would be this past Memorial Day weekend, guys. How does this happen in Chicago? Hey, Obama, how does this happen in your supposed hometown? The headline again was that, and this is from AP. Chicago began the unofficial start of summer over Memorial Day weekend with dozens of shootings that killed six people and wounded 56 others, contributing to a spike in violent crime in the city this year. There were 48 shooting incidences in the city from 5 p.m. Friday through midnight on Monday. 48, the police department said Tuesday. That's the same number of shootings and wounded people as last year's Memorial Day weekend, but fewer than half of that weekend's 14 fatal shootings. Well, okay, so they're making progress there. Last uh, Memorial Day weekend, only there were only 14 deaths, this six. I guess that's progress. The police were bracing for the holiday weekend with Superintendent Eddie Johnson in his first major test since being sworn in last month to head the beleaguered department, putting more officers on the street in hopes of stemming some of the violence. There was a strong police presence in some of the most violent neighborhoods on the city's west and south sides. But there were still dozens of people who were shot in the most heavily patrolled areas of the city. How does that happen? I beg the question. Does not beg the question. The state police, too, were out in force, deploying more troopers to area expressways due to a spike in fatal shootings on such thoroughfares this year. A state police spokesman said the weekend ended without any shootings on the area expressways. Well, okay, so they're making progress. There weren't any shootings on the freeways. So, okay, that's great. It continues on. The roads didn't escape the violence, though. A 15-year-old girl who was a passenger in a vehicle on scenic Lakeshore Drive on the city's north side was fatally shot early Saturday, and a woman was struck and killed by a car on that roadway early Sunday while trying to escape muggers. She's running from some muggers there and got hit by a car. Oops, police said. Her death wasn't among the six homicides, but it could later be classified as such if the suspects are caught and charged with murder, they said. The holiday weekend was a particular concern because it is the unofficial start of summer, when there are typically more shootings in Chicago, and because there has been a marked increase in homicides this year, with 242 through the end of Monday, as compared to 160 during the same period last year. Did you catch that number? 242 homicides in Chicago uh, through the end of Monday. This would have been, what, the day before yesterday, as compared to only 160 uh, during the same period last year. Shooting incidences are also up this year, with 1,233 compared to 812 during the same period, 2015. I'll just uh, read a little more. After a particular, particularly violent first three months of the year, when homicides and shootings were up by at least 70%, the violence has slowed somewhat, but the city is still on pace to end the year with more than 500 homicides for the first time since 2012, when the soaring numbers of gun deaths, gun deaths, gun deaths, captured gun deaths, captured widespread attention, gun deaths? Okay, I'm sorry. 
I thought you weren't supposed to have a gun in Chicago, guys. Uh, Obama, uh, Loretta Lynch, uh, Rahm Emanuel. I just, I'm sorry. I, I thought that gun control were Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Charles Schumer. I thought that we were Barbara Boxer, Diane Feinstein, Mark Potok. I thought you weren't supposed to have it. It was supposed to make it's supposed to make people safe. It does make people safe. Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi. I beg. It begs the question, you guys, you jackwagons. I guess I'm sorry. I didn't. I don't want to be rude or, or, or offend, but it begs the question: If gun control makes people safe, then how come? They're on pace in Chicago to have 500 homicides this year when there are some of the most strictest, like third world strict gun control measures in place, in place, not talked about. They're like practically being used. If you can say that, obviously it's not working, though. So what's the problem here? Well, we all know the problem. Again, this is like ABC 123. It's so simple because it doesn't work. That's all. That's all. There's another reason why they want people disarmed. There's an obvious other reason why they want people disarmed. And it's not for their own good. It's not for their own good, obviously. It could, and it could be turned around so easily. It, it can really be turned around so easily. But it really takes a lot of work on people's behalf, though, to pull their heads out of their you-know-where. You really, guys, in Chicago, if you're listening, and there are... I, I'm. I, I, you know, and I don't say this flippantly. I'm sh- there are a lot of good people in Chicago. There are a lot of decent people in Chicago. But there needs to be more decent people in Chicago. And, and, and it's going to be hard, though, because Chicago is like it when it comes to co- corrupt government. It's like the blueprint. You know, just, I mean, just Google it. It's unbelievable the amount of stuff that you will come up with about the, how corrupt and how utterly just and how good at it they are, the corruption there. You know, so, yeah, it's going to be hard to get good politicians you know, in office there. And I, but I talk about that all the time. I see we're uh, creeping up on the break here. You know, uh, there's been a, a little bit of chatter recently uh, about uh, the lesser of two evils. Uh, was Aladask was interviewing James Corbett, I believe, last week. And James Corbett said that he refuses to participate in the whole uh, going to pick the lesser of two evils. And you know what? I, 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 that, I applaud him for that, okay? But see, too many people fall into that trap. You know, ah, well, I'm just going to, you know, and we kind of, we've settled into just picking the lesser of two evils. And see, I'm not a, 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 a proponent of that either. Okay. If we have bad candidates, we need to, it's up to us to, to demand better candidates, you know, and, it, and it's just an excuse to say, well, there are none out there. They're all bad. Okay, if, if, if that's how we're going to settle for things, then nothing's ever going to get, nothing's ever going to change then. If we just say, well, they're all bad and they're all they're just blah, blah, blah. That's lazy. We need to, see, but it takes work. Okay, it takes a lot of, it's, and it's going to take more work on our part. I do see a bit of encouragement, though. Things are, you know, kind of swaying just a bit, you know, but it's a fragile, what's going on right now, it's very fragile. There's, I use the, I'm going to use the term again. There's, there's not any critical mass yet. Why well, hear the music, guys? Enjoy it, and I'll see you after the break. Rolling down the highway, smiling. The spuds are big on the back of us rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Half from Charlottetown are from Summerside. They load him down for the big long ride. He jumps in the cab and he's off with the price of bagels. 
He's got to catch the boat to make Clementine. Then he hits up that old New Brunswick line. To Montreal he comes just a flying with another big load of potatoes. It's Bud the Spud from the bright red mud. Rolling down the highway smiling. The Spuds are big on the back of Bud's rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Now the Ontario Provincial Police don't think much of Bud. Been looking for the son of a gun that's been ripping the tire off the 401. They know the name on the truck signs up in the sun. Green Gables. But he hits Toronto and at 7 o'clock when he backs her up again the terminal dock and the boys gather round just to hear him talk about another big load of potatoes. It's Bud the Spud from the bright red mud rolling down the highway smiling. The Spuds are big on the back of Bud's rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. But like the spuds from the island best, cause they'll stand up to the hardest test. Right on the table. So when you see that big trucker rolling by, wave your hand or kinda wink your eye, cause that's Bud the Spud from old PEI with another big load of potatoes. It's Bud the Spud on the bright red mud, rolling down the highway smiling. Because he's got another big load. Doggone potatoes that's ever been growed. And they're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
We back. I guess we're back live. Uh, Frank and I were just talking, so I didn't hear the music coming out of the break. So I'll just assume that yeah, we're out of the break. Welcome back to the last half, guys, of the Condition Critical Show. Again, I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. It's my live show for Wednesday, the first day of June, 2016, 39 minutes past the hour. And I was talking about yes, I was talking about gun control and so forth and all that, and how it doesn't work, and it you know, and it's really not. I, I don't believe it's not, you know, kind of a, a moot point or, or something like that. In other words, I, I believe that it does need to be talked about, you know, that how it, it is a failure and how we need to. Uh, and I guess I close out that, you know, that, 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 you know, last part of my show before the break with, uh, you know, picking better candidates and just not settling for, you know, the lesser of two evils or the, the, the you know, the cream of the crap you know, or something like that. Because uh, if we really want to in, in, infect change, you know, that's what we have to do. We just cannot rely on, we can't continuing, uh, continue to uh, rely on the cream of the crap because they're not getting, obviously, they're not getting the job done. <laughs> so, all right. You knew it was coming, or maybe you didn't. But I have to bring it up. I have to bring it up because, you know, and I mentioned this, that, this, you know, this is like one of the, this is how bad things have gotten in this country, uh, that, the, that the most important thing now, and again, it's not the economy, it's not the endless wars, it's not the, the, our government uh, now allowing women to get their heads blown off in combat. You know, it's none of those things. It, it's none of jobs, uh, you know, a, a racial, uh, what is it, uh, peacefulness or whatever. It's none of those things. The biggest thing of the day now is is to uh, normalize homosexuality. Okay. Okay, I'm just checking something. <laughs> and this is, okay, this is from NPR. Sorry, I was looking at my screen. This is from NPR. The headline is, 
Long a symbol, Stonewall Inn may soon become a monument to LGBT rights. You heard it here first, man. This is from the NPR. The Stonewall Inn is a bar or some kind of nightclub, and it's obviously a, 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 a homo uh, bar, and it's in New York City. And, yeah. Now, look, the president wants to make this up, not just a, a monument, but a national monument. Can you believe that? <clears throat> well, I can, because this is the president that adorned the White House in the rainbow faggot parade colors here about a year ago. Remember that? Let me read from the article. The Obama administration is taking steps to name the first national monument dedicated to the struggle for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights. You know, they're leaving out some some identification markers there, guys. You know, because remember, I've been talking the last couple of weeks about how it's not just LBGT anymore, that somebody added an I for intersex, and then there was other ones. I don't even know what they are anymore. I guess this is just a short uh, acronym, though, LGBT. A likely location is in New York City where the Stonewall riots sparked the modern gay rights movement almost a half a century ago. It sounded like screaming and real cries of agony and desperation finally being released, recalled Martin Boyce, 68, who participated in the riots in the early hours of June 28, 1969. Has anybody ever heard of these riots? I haven't. I mean, I haven't, and I'm pretty, you know, well, I'm pretty versed, well-versed in current events and so forth. Eh, You know, whatever. Again, this is just another way to try and normalize what is abnormal. And it's, it's really disgusting. But this is what our country, this is, this is where we are, guys. This is where we are. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, da, on a hot and humid night in New York's West uh, Village neighborhood, Boyce walked over to a gay bar called the Stonewall Inn after he'd heard that a police raid was underway. He says he expected to see a routine scene. What we used, uh, what we used to normally do at the time was look at the raid, see people coming out who got arrested, and be glad it wasn't you, he says. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, New York's LGBT community had already endured years of police raids on gay bars and beatings on the streets. There were regular arrests for homosexual acts or for not wearing at least three pieces of clothing that police, con- that police considered appropriate for a person's sex. It was so much violence up to, uh, up to that time on the part of the police. So much discrimination, Boy says. We bore it all. We didn't think we could have a riot. We didn't think we could change anything. But that night was so different. Oh, it was so different. Hundreds of bar patrons and onlookers, including boys, fought back against the raid with glass bottles, loose cobblestones, and burning trash, launching violent protests in New York City that continued on and off for days. The Stonewall riots were not the first attempt to push for equal treatment of homo of the homo commu- of the homos community, but it became an important rallying cry that fueled homo rights, the homo rights movement, and is now commemorated every year during homo pride month and i'm inserting homo myself they're using gay rights or lgbt pride month and all that but it is what it is they're homos and they're disgusting it managed to capture the imagination of a whole new generation it used the tactics not of people picketing in suits and ties but people demanding their rights in loud voices as had never happened before said lillian batterman a scholar of LGBT history. She's a scholar of LGBT history, which means that she's a teacher or a professor somewhere at some university or some school brainwashing your kids. That's what that, and there's her name, Lily Batterman. Now it doesn't say where she's this scholar of homo history, but that's what she is. How's in a two brick 
Housed in two brick buildings, the original Stonewall Inn bar closed a month after the rise. The rotation of businesses that took over the space includes a men's clothing store, a bagel shop, blah, blah, blah. Before it became a gay bar in 1967, the building was once occupied by Bonnie's Stonewall, a Prohibition-era era tea room that opened in 1930 and later became a restaurant known as Bonnie Stonewall Inn, blah, blah, blah. Originally, just a little bit of history, blah, blah, the buildings and all this, national landmark. Okay, here we go. A bill in Congress would designate the Stonewall Inn and an area around it as part of the National Park Service. <laughs> Okay, do, do, do we need this? Do we need this? Is this not another call to action? Well, of course it is. There's a bill in Congress. And I could click on it, but I won't do that just yet. I have time. There's a bill in Congress that says to designate the Stonewall Inn as part of the National Park Service. Now, it, really? Do you see my point? Really, do we need this? More, Just more degeneracy. More things being shoved down our throats against our will. And it is against our will. The vast majority of people are against this. But at the same time, the vast majority of people uh, are unwilling to really do anything about it. Because, I don't know, they're too busy or something. You know, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, But at a recent public meeting in Manhattan, dozens lined up in a school auditorium blocks away from the Stonewall Inn to voice their support for the proposal in front of Obama administration officials seated on stage. The National Park Service is America's storyteller, and we know that there are very, very important parts of our story that have yet to be told, said Sally Jewell, the secretary of the Department of the Interior, who was joined by the director of National Park Service, Jonathan Jarvis. Several meeting attendees expressed concern about how the history of Stonewall has been retold and who is acknowledged to have been part of the riot. Melissa can't pronounce her name. It's, it's like, uh, I can't pronounce her name, a transgender freak. It says transgender woman. Highlighted the role of transgender freaks activists during the Stonewall riots, which it said <laughs> some have overlooked in the past remembrance of the events. It says she said, I, I, thought we weren't, I thought we weren't supposed to identify people like that by like she or he. Why did they just do that? I mean, uh, hey, Melissa. Somebody just identified you as a she. You should be offended. You should find this person. Where's Loretta Lynch? Has, has, did somebody not proofread this article? That's unbelievable. I'm offended. I'm outraged that they, have, that they referred to Melissa, which is, I don't know, that's kind of a girl first name. I don't know. It just kind of is. And then, and then secondly, went on to you know, reinforce that, that stereotype by calling her a she instead of calling it an it. Oh, my goodness. How bigoted, how homophobic. Here's a quote. Those that had seats at the table made sure that their voices were heard and their faces were seen. She said, that's a quote from Melissa, the, uh, or it, like cousin it from what was that uh, show? Adam's family. Yeah. Okay. Previous attempts at memorializing Stonewall with plaques and statues have been criticized for not explicitly acknowledging transgender people and people of color. I'm sorry. Uh, how does that fit into the mix? Well, I guess it fits into the mix because, hey, it's a good way to kind of get some reinforcement. You know, we need we need some other, you know, tripe, you know, in here to kind of help propel our wee little movement here. And I always have a person with that whole person of color thing because, I mean, last time I checked and I did some research, some very basic research. I talked about it, I don't know, a month ago. I researched Crayola crayons and Crayola crayons from their inception have had a white crayon in their box. So apparently white is a color too, but I guess not in today's society. I do, you know, I guess in today's society, the only, you know, 
people of color are blacks, browns, and yellows, and purples, and everything else under the sun, but not white people. Uh, for Fatterman, author of The Gay Revolution, this is part of a debate that has always tested the unity of the LGBT umbrella. There's no doubt that Stonewall is a symbol for the entire homo movement, says Fatterman, citing photos taken on the first night of the rides that show a crowd that was mixed in terms of race and gender identity. Well, I guess being a degenerate homo has no bounds or no boundaries. You know, even African Americans can be homo. I guess that's what she's saying. That's kind of racist, though, don't you think? There, You're kind of licking around the edge there, Melissa, on being a racist. Okay, let's see here. There are all sorts of mysteries still shrouded in Stonewall, she says. They're referring to her as a she again. Uh, they need to really stop doing that. That's offensive. So I'm going to restate that in my own words. I'll start over. There are all sorts of mysteries still shrouded in Stonewall. It says, that's how you should do it, guys. Come on. I think most of the people who were there are no longer with us, so they can't clear the mysteries up for us. It's also unclear when a national monument at the site of Stonewall riots will be officially announced. But even if Congress doesn't act, plans for the monument can still move forward. Well, of course they can. It closes out. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a, signed a state law in April that will allow the city park outside the Stonewall Inn to become federal land. What did he just do? Let me say that again. Excuse me. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a state law in April that will allow the city park outside the Stonewall Inn to become federal land. Uh, since when does the governor of a state get to do that, I wonder? See, I mean, who do these people think they are? Who do these people think they are? He's got no right to give land to the federal government. He can't just sign something and make it so. I mean, that in and of itself is more outrageous than the article and what they're trying to do here. Don't you see, people of New York, how out of control your government is? I mean, isn't it bad enough that you have senators like Chuck Schumer? Isn't it bad enough that you have people in the House of Representatives like Charles Rangel? Isn't that bad enough? Isn't it bad enough that you already had a Governor Cuomo and that you then had to elect his son to continue on with his legacy of destroying that once great state called the Empire State, I might add? How's that make you feel there, Empire State? Or, the, you know, and the, the city of uh, New York is referred to as the Big Apple. Well, it's the big rotting apple now is what it is. I'll finish out because there's not much. That means President Obama could use his executive authority under the Antiquities Act to declare the land a historic site just in time for Pride Month next week. Do you hear what I'm saying, people? Do you see what they just did here? Do you see how they obfuscate the will of the American people. It is a fraction, small fraction of just over 2% of the population that identifies a bunch of freaking homosexual degenerates. It's even less of a fraction of people that identify as transgender freaks out there. Okay. And they can't get their way any other way. They can't get their way any other way because there's not enough of them. So you have this kind of stuff going on. And again, if the article would have stopped where, you know, before that last paragraph, it would have just been outrageous. It would have just been outrageous. But now it's an all-out offense. Now it is an all-out offense. I'm going to read it one last time. 
I'm going to read this last paragraph one last time. I want you to pay attention. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a state law in April that will allow the city park outside the Stonewall Inn to become federal land. That means President Obama could use his executive authority under the Antiquities Act to declare the land a historic site just in time for Pride Month next week. They did that because they know that the American people would not want that to be so in the first place. No, I don't want some faggot park next door to me. No. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad there, New York, because your governor, your governor just went around your back. That's why. Too bad. You see what just happened there? I wouldn't even call that sleight of hand, but perhaps it is. Now we're getting close to the end of the show. Let's see if I can find something here just to fill the gap that's uh, not so, I don't know, uh, serious or something like that. Yeah, the news of the day, guys, is just pretty unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Let me go back up to the top here. Let's just see if I had something that I can. Uh, it's just all bad news, guys. Oh, here we go. I'll just I want to mention this. Yeah, you've heard about Glenn Beck, right? He's, he's, his show on Sirius has been suspended for the week, which leads me to believe that they're just going to cancel his show, which leads me to believe that perhaps there was more to suspending him than just what was said on his show, and it wasn't even said by him. Maybe he, doesn't, maybe he just doesn't get good ratings, and maybe they were just looking for an excuse to get rid of Glenn Beck because he's a has-been. You know, because he's a has-been, maybe? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just my own theory right there. Sirius XM suspends Glenn Beck over Trump comments on show. And now I posted in the chat room last night that, hey, I don't like Glenn Beck, but you know what? On this one, I got to stand with him, okay? Because what was said on his show, first of all, wasn't even said by him, first of all. Secondly, it wasn't even that bad. Let me see what the remaining time I have if I can find it. Conservative host Glenn Beck was suspended by Sirius XM Satellite Radio for agreeing with an author who asked, hypothetically, quote, what patriot will step up to remove Republican Donald Trump from office? if he's elected president and oversteps his authority. Sirius XM said Beck's program was suspended this week, and the company was evaluating its place in the lineup. Well, well, of course, they were doing that in the first place, I believe. The comments may be reasonably construed by some to have been advocating harm against an individual current, currently running for office, uh, Sirius XM said in a statement. During an interview, May 25th, author Brad Thor said he was about to suggest something very bad before citing a weak Congress and asking what patriot will step up to stop President Trump if he tried to exceed the powers of his office. It goes on, I would agree with you on that, Beck responded. Thor, a frequent guest of Beck's and an author of thriller novels, said in a statement to the Associated Press that he and Beck were discussing a speculative future uh, America under a dictator. Safeguarding the republic against a dictatorship is a topic of conversation that dates back to the founders. If we had to unseat a president without the backing of Congress, we would need a patriot along the lines of George Washington to lead the country from tyranny back to liberty, he said. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of the article. And look, you know, what, that, that's not even really saying anything that bad. I mean, I've said, I've said far worse. I've advocated for armed revolution. I still do. Because I believe that it's in our founding documents and it's our duty to do so. And it is in our founding documents, people. Read the Declaration of Independence. I'm not going to cite it for you, but it's all in there, and I'm no expert on it. But it is in there. It is in there. The, I don't know who these politicians think they are. I don't know who these people at SiriusXM think they are. Don't they know what our founding documents say? It is appropriate to, to, to have that kind of speech. In fact, it's important that we have that kind of speech. But it, it's very apparent that what they're doing here and why they want to stifle that kind of speech. 
You know, they want to make it sound taboo, like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that kind of thing. And you know what is even more of a problem? It is there, there, are American, there are American people out there that think that that kind of speech is wrong and that that kind of speech, that there is no place for that kind of speech, when they couldn't be further from the truth. Because once we lose the ability, guys, to, to speak that kind of speak, then it really is all over. Once you can be cowed and once you can be beaten down, okay, to the point where you can't say things, appropriate things, speaking out against our government, then we do, then we truly have no hope. Then we truly have no hope. So, yeah, oh, with Glenn Beck, and again, he didn't even say it. Okay, I stand with them on this. Okay, and shame on you guys, but then whatever. They, they have no shame, those people over at SiriusXM. Those people, our people in government, the people in powers, these bureaucrats and these uh, CEOs of corporations, they have no shame. They have no shame, and they have no loyalties. The only loyalty they have is to the dollar, to the American, I was going to say the American dollar, but just to money. That's all, because that's all they worship. All right, guys, we're at the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out my website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. It's a good way to reach me. Cell phone number is 253 973 And just like that.